Hello, welcome back. It is time. It is another year. It is time for another year of Euphoria. Euphoria 2023, season 11. Jesus. Episode one. Why do we divide seasons by splits? I have no idea. We're going to rectify that now. I'm Dracos. Joining me is Cadrel. From now on, this entire year will just be season 11. Hopefully, you were not attached to the season system at all. How long, how long have you been here? For how many seasons? Season one. So I was here yeah, in the you've beginning, been baby. Since the start, baby. You've been going through the gulag. Basically, what I did was I went to all the people who had mo- who could give me money in Riot to make a podcast and said, have you seen Deficio? He's handsome and smart. And I just kind of held him up to different people with okay. money until they said we could so make a podcast. So what was the pitch when you wanted me? Uh, have you seen this man? He's handsome and smart. Oh, great. <laughs> also, he embarrassed himself on a stage once. People really seemed to like you that. You know, I've thought about that. I've had a little ponder over that cancel meme. Yeah. You know, I've come to the conclusion of because Baus actually That helped it would me be inappropriate yesterday. to say that you were the founder of cancel culture? Also very true. Yes. But okay, I've also come to another conclusion that Baus helped me with. That's the only mistake people can point out that I ever made in pro play. No one's ever highlighted any other of my other mistakes. It's only one. So if you align me against people like Faker, who have made countless mistakes across their career, and you can yeah. maybe look at them, I've only ever made one. So technically, I'm a winner, not a loser. So, um, um, that's the way I'm going to swing it from now on. Um, wow. I only ever made one mistake. Basically flawless at this I mean, point. yeah, at this point. Big mistake, true, dude, but you it's could, just one. The Olympic gold in mental gymnastics over here. You are I'm you waiting, are, I'm you waiting are for reaching, the League of, I'm waiting brother. for the League of Legends. You are reaching. League of Legends Olympic Games. Yeah. I'll be like the queen, you know. Rest her soul. Jumping out the plane, flying down, dropping into my seat from the parachute, jungle seat, bang. Lock Why does that make you like the queen? Did she do that? Did I miss yeah, the year she did Yeah, you know the it? London Olympics? She, well, she didn't actually do it. It was, um, I think it was Daniel Craig or something, or some some stuntman did it. But he yeah. was dressed up looking like a... Oh, it was probably Daniel Craig. It was probably James, and, James, yeah, whatever James and it was Bond James was Bondy, and it looked like the queen. It was, it was great. Oh, there was an extra that was the queen. Yeah. Got it, got it, got it. But she Very didn't cool. actually jump up Very the plane, cool. mate. She, that I, been, yeah, I was like, that what? Been, anyway, um, believe it or not, this is a podcast <laughs> where we talk about League of Legends and the LEC. Um, this is coming out shortly, but this will be, I think, around the time that SKE happens, which is the season kickoff event for 2023. We're going to have a lot to talk to about. Yeah, but a bit, a bit, a bit bias. Riot Games? Question mark? Question mark? Now they've got SK, SKP, and SKE. Yeah, it's <laughs> Jesus. Sorry, it's gonna be a wild. Yeah, uh, this is gonna be. Yeah, it's gonna be. Loose, thing, you know why it's a wild goosey? one today? Because normally we start the podcast at about nine a.m. Yeah, we have to wake up. But now it's, a, it's two p.m. It's two p.m. We're in prime time, baby. This is it. You want to know what we're like? We're three copies deep, dude. I, eyes deep, baby. Looking like a goblin over here. I'm I'm ready to go. Oops, can't you know, say that word. You're looking word. fine as hell. You don't Thank look like you. a goblin. Thank you. You're looking like a Thank peak you. goblin. You're Thank supermodel you. goblin. You know what I'm, I'm saying? I'm a hobgoblin, baby. I'm the green goblin. There it is. Um, <laughs> I'm Dracos Cadrell. Welcome back to Euphoria. Hopefully you like this part of the podcast. If not... I don't know why you keep coming back, but thank you for continuing to come back. YouTube, it. Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify. As always, um, we're... You know, we've... Uh, We've taken some time to shoot the shit, but of course, if you want to see more of us outside of this podcast platform, Cadrill will once again be co-streaming LCK and LPL this year at twitch.tv slash Cadrill. Shout out to you. Making a good content. If you're ever wondering how he knows so much about those two leagues, if this is the only place you see him here or the LEC Plus, broadcast. it's my only content. <laughs> Plus, it's his only content because uh, Solo Q is slowly driving him insane. <laughs> I um, love Solo Q. It's great. Season 13. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Absolutely knees deep now in it. Oh, yeah. And if you're bored waiting for the next LEC song, I released a song this off season. It's called okay dracos on spotify Banger. if you want to check it out have you got more coming more soon soon tm um 
and we can well you know highlight it in the future what was the uh, fine line got 400k on spot yeah it took it? a year but it got there we got 50k in the first on... month here for okay i was very happy Oof. so thank you to all the people who've been listening to me there music when, is fun i love doing it when it's you're nice a rapper on hustle. stage will you get me on for a little oh, bar bro. have we you ever seen you. have you ever seen alex dave and alex at glastonbury no so dave was doing a rap and he brought up a stranger to do tiago silva a rap with yeah him. very off topic in glastonbury yeah. some random kid came up called alex and he rapped the whole thing and the crowd loved it and he became famous from it. Well, not super famous. But, but you're already famous. But I become, you know, people would be like, wow, Mark can rap, you know. And then he I'll can't get, rap. I'll I've get heard on the, you I'll rap. get on a Kendrick. People don't, I'll people get don't a, know your freestyle. I'll, I'll get on a Kendrick insane. EP. Anyway. Um, that's what I'm looking forward to. Aside from that, I'm looking forward to this episode. Now, a couple... A th- let me just give you the overview of what this episode is going to look like because we're essentially doing a two-parter here at Euphoria. <clears throat> Every year, we start the season... Or every split, we start the season and we're like, we're going to talk about all 10 teams in a single episode. Now, if you've been here for a long time, you know we've literally never successfully done that because what happens is we'll spend 30 minutes on Astralis, get to the end and be like, I guess it's time to talk about G2. And it'll be like five minutes. We'll be like, they're great. And then we'll just be done. So So, we want to chop it up evenly like a loaf of bread. Yeah, we're we're splitting it into two episodes. In each episode, we're going to be talking about five teams each with some additional stuff on the side. So in this first episode, we're going to be talking about XL, SK Gaming, G2 Esports, Hair and koi so if you are interested in those five teams this episode you'll hear about the other five teams in the next episode fanatic fans we're also having yamato on for the next episode as well so something to look forward to on top of talking about these five teams we have a brand new format in the lec to talk about as well as updates to msi and world formats these literally came out moments before us starting to record this podcast won't be super breaking, but if you've missed this news, big, big changes there that we're going to kind of loosely highlight. Both of us have just read the article. We did not know that this was coming. Um, so we're going to be a little bit loosey-goosey on those changes. You'll make sure you want to read that article on lolesports.com. Uh, and then we've got some Twitter questions and some stuff to talk about from you guys at home. That's going to make up this episode one. But first, let's talk about the brand new format. Let's talk about... Yep. LEC brand new format. We have three splits. This is the winter split we are going into, which feels so weird yep. to say. Picasso. I like it. You know, <laughs> three splits is a lot though. The show days have gone up. Yep. You know, three days a week broadcast now. Saturday, right. Sunday, yeah. uh, Monday. Right. Talked to me like, look, you did there's a lot of show days this year. Next yeah. year, 2023, you're going up by an extra like 30. And I was we like, We love you. We want more wait, Hang on a second. And I learned it was three day weeks every week. Yep. I actually think we'll I'll start with one thing. The, the shift of days, normally it's Friday, Saturday, super week, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. Now we're doing no more Fridays. I don't mind it too much. I actually like the Monday because what else? I mean, what I don't really do anything on a Monday night, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to wake up for streaming the next day or whatever you may be doing at home, you know, work or, or university or studying or school. Whereas on a Saturday or a Friday night, you always want to go out and see your friends or maybe you want to go play games with your friends or you want to do something, yeah. right? It's always the weekend where, you know, you have the next day off. And when LEC starts at like 6 or 7 p.m. on a Monday night, I think that's great, to be honest. When you have a show that you can just sit there and watch and you you don't really have any other plans. Well, and I think different people are going to have different schedules. We have a very non-traditional work week, you know, because other people's like uh, Wednesday is my Friday next year, for example. (laughs) Yeah, we have the same, basically the same work schedule. um, And we take kind of take Thursday, Friday as weekends. But I think it's just always going to be different for people. We'll see how people like Monday. I hope people like Monday. I think the nice thing that we have going for us is we start later in the day. You know, we start at the time where most people working traditional work schedules, traditional school hours are going to get off and be able to watch those things. And I think that's going to be sick. And I hope that that makes it super accessible. Good to timing. Because I would hate to see 
you know, people okay. not be able to watch on a Monday. Yeah, like if they're at work or something. Yeah, yeah. That, that would be difficult. Yeah, that would, that would suck. Um, anyway, three splits, and there's a lot of changes here. If you have not kept up on this, there's a wonderful esports ecosystem update. We're also no longer just the League of Legends European champion. We're the League of Legends EMEA championship. EMEA is Europe, Europe. Middle East, Africa. Europe, Middle East, East Africa. Africa. Yeah, that's it. Um, and... We will, you know, for now, all you need to know is welcome to everyone from the Middle East and Africa. Welcome to this beautiful ship that is the LEC. Um, I hope that in time we will have more player representation from the TCL or formerly the TCL, the LCL in terms of, you know, seeing more of those players on the LEC big stage and internationally. Uh, I don't have greater opinions on what that means for international, what that means for seeds. But, you know, cool to welcome more regions into this. I think we have a pretty sick thing going here at the LEC. We're going to slowly take over the world. Yeah. The LEC is just going to dominate. No, I like it a lot. Also, the TCL has become an ERL now, I believe, for uh, EMEA Masters. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So they'll have a slot there. That's not a complicated thing. But just back to the... um, LEC format changes. I like the way they've separated it. So yep. just getting straight into it, a lot of people complained about best of one. And I think yep. by week four, week five, second round Robin of best of one, it gets a bit boring because you yep. kind of know who's going to win. And if they don't, it's just a fiesta anyway, because it's a best of one. Yeah. Um, so quick, quick recap, Phil, if you can throw the, the graphic up behind us. So it's three splits uh, into a season final. So what used to be one split and then two splits, it's now two little of these new mini splits, one split and then season finals for how the year is made up. It doesn't really matter for you at home. Just follow along with us this season. It'll be easy. But each split is what's important here and what Cajal is going to highlight. We used to do double round robin. We now do single round robin between the teams. The top eight teams from that single round robin now move into a top eight best of three double elimination. If you're a big esports fan, this is essentially a GSL bracket. Very simple. You win two, you're through. You lose two, you're out. Um which means that our actual playoffs, the portion of the season where we play best of fives, is no longer top six, it is top four. And that's the big change here because even in Twitter questions, even interacting with people, people still look at it as top six and everyone else. But really, the way our split is structured now, the way our year is structured now, people need to be looking at it as, first off, can you just not be bottom two to make it to the next stage? This is Mm -hmm. the best of three stage, this, uh, this, this double elimination. And then can you make top four? It's no longer are you good enough to be in top six? It's are you good enough to be top four? Which is a big shift, I think, in mindset for me, at least, because it used to be like, oh, yeah, this team could be fifth, six. But now when I say that, who cares? Who cares doesn't if matter. it's fifth, six? It doesn't, fifth, six is the mate, same seventh, as seventh and eighth. Seventh and fifth, mate, I basically made you no, ma- you I'm made, basically you fifth actually, place. You actually, you could have made it past best of one. I would have made it to the knockouts. Just go back to pro and you can make it past mate, best of one. Sub me in, someone give me a bell, call me up. I'll be there in a heartbeat. Um, no, so yeah, the way Dracos explained it, it's perfectly easy. I think the splits take about six weeks each. Best of one for two weeks, roughly. Best of three yep. for two weeks, roughly. Best of five for two weeks, roughly, you know. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it says here on the side of this graphic, you can't see it. And again, there's, there's the schedule's out, I believe, and you can take a look at this. This is a huge, massive overhaul. So it's huge. If we misquote anything, just know that we're misquoting it because we're misreading it, not because there's information that yeah. you don't have, because we're still learning how this new system is going to, is going to play out. But yeah, yeah, three weeks of round robin, two weeks of the best of threes. And, and then it looks like one week of of crazy best of five. So yeah, like 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 Draco said, after the three splits, there will be a big season finals, which is like the road show, I believe, where it's like we go on uh, they go on the road, we go to a big arena, we play big best yep. of fives, 
and little bit tidbits in the in the in the format you know if you win a split you qualify for the roadshow yep. right if you win the winter split yep. in in march or whatever it is then you've qualified for the big roadshow knockout stage yep. where we'll determine which teams are going to worlds if you win all three splits you're locked in worlds you know if you win yep. all three of them you're locked in worlds if you win spring you're locked in msi there's a couple tidbits here and there yep. depending on who's going to seedings for internationals but yeah uh, it's pretty simple and, and straightforward if you're a diehard format fan there's a lot of little things here that you're looking at, but just remember that ultimately high seeding in every single split matters because if you're not winning the split, then the remaining seeds that are not champions are decided by championship points, which all you really need to know is you get more when you place higher. So the teams that have consistently placed well, even if they haven't consistently won, are the teams that you will be seeing in the season finals. Additionally, I thought we'd only have to talk about one massive format change today, and that mm-hmm. would be the LEC. And this is the big one for listeners of this podcast, but because, you know, this is what we do most for most of the year. But <laughs> MSI and Worlds, huge overhauls. One of the overhauls being the LEC now has two seeds for MSI. Now, the second we saw this information today, we reached out to league officials on the LEC side to be like, how do they get there? How the hell do we get? Who, what is, who's, who's our second yeah. seed? We have to explain this to people. Yeah. And they said, hey, don't worry. We'll have information. We'll have updates at the start of the LEC season. Um, it's one of those things I imagine um, without, you know, I do not work on this team, but it's one of those things I imagine where these big sweeping changes are talked about. They're theory craft, but until they lock in, they can't really make a plan. Now they're locked in. Now they're public. Now they get to go through one of many plans. I'm sure they've prepped ahead of time, but obviously you want to make sure you announce them appropriately. You want to make sure that they are fair. Because in the old MSI format, we just had our spring champions, which is our split two now. Remember, our first split is winter going. But now we will have a second seed at MSI, and it remains to be seen how that will be decided. But MSI, pretty crazy. This is a lot of information. If you're like, this is really dense, it's really dense for us too. We wanted to talk about all this stuff, but it is a lot, guys. It It is an entire year of LEC that has changed completely. It is MSI that has changed completely. It is Worlds that has changed completely. Overall, the quick TLDR I can give you on my thoughts is every single change is positive. I don't think every change is perfect. There are things that I will miss, but overall, this is a hugely positive change, I believe, for international events. Yep. The TLD, I think we shouldn't spend too much time on this because both you and I have only read this in a limited capacity. <clears throat> All you need to know is a lot less best of ones. Essentially, group stages are gone mm-hmm. and we are now looking at a lot more brackets. Worlds will have Swiss. The fourth seed for LEC will now no longer be LEC's fourth seed. It'll be the West's fourth seed and LEC and uh, LCS will have to play each other in a best of five before the tournament begins to see who will get that. So we have essentially the return of Boda, a.k.a. Battle of the Atlantic. I preferred Bofa. But anyway, uh, no, you're right. There's a lot of things that have changed. Quick one, MSI's in London. London is my city. England, up the boys, 2015 Worlds. We're back in action. Go down the pub, get a pint, and then pop over to the local uh, best of five. MSI, yeah, I think MSI was something like 58 best of ones or something in 2022. Working on it, it was exhausting. It was really tiring. You got to see a lot of games, but sadly, you got to see a lot of the same game. I didn't love it. Obviously, the community didn't love it. Huge changes. Um, So I'm just looking at the, the website now. The bracket stage for MSI has 14 best of fives already. Yep. That's more best of fives than what MSI and Worlds had combined last year. So I think what they're doing here, right, is they're trying to include more best of five cross-regional play, which I think is really important. And they've thrown in a lower bracket at MSI. So you'll get more EU versus Korea, EU versus China, you know, EU versus NA, and then just more teams, more best of fives, more information as to who's good. Yeah, we can save Worlds just because it's so much later in the year. (coughs) 
But just to clarify for MSI, there are five teams. There's two stages in MSI. There's plans and it goes straight into brackets. Brackets, the stage that Mark just talked about. That is a eight team double elimination best of five bracket. Full double elim for MSI, which is an absolute banger. Similarly, plans a lot more exciting. It'll only be deciding three teams that make it up. We won't have everyone starting playing at the same time like we did this last year. Um, the five teams that auto make it to the top bracket are the first seeds from all the major regions plus the second seed from Korea. Because they won Worlds. Because they won Worlds. The three teams that will remain to be decided are between all of the existing uh, you know, minor regions as well as the second seeds from the LCS, yep. LEC, and LPL. So yep. if, if, if you want all the information and like all the specifics, it's on lolisports.com. Yeah. If you want to know who goes where, what the seeding looks like, what the best fives look like, the lower bracket, all that stuff, TLDR is more best of fives more cross-regional play, more teams in MSI from major regions, more fun and more action, I think. Yeah. And uh, obviously, as we get closer, you'll, you'll learn more and more on what it means for us. But also, I, I think this is just hugely exciting for international tournaments because we did not... Even if the world's format was solid, and it was solid, I think the MSI format was not good, but no. the world's format has been solid for years. It is nice to do something new. And it's not just for the sake of doing something new. There are clear positives here, but... As an esports fan, and many of you are who are probably listening to this podcast who have watched esports for years, it is nice to have a new format. It's refreshing. Worlds yes. is in Korea as well, which is going to be great. I can't remember when the last time Worlds was in Korea. I think it was uh, when Fnatic made it, 2018 finals. Yeah. Four or five years ago now. I'm just excited for, I think you're right, it's like a breath of fresh air, you know, we're not going to go through the bloody gulag of best of ones trolling ourselves well, through all of these games yeah and we're really we're really privileged trying to here. pretend that it means something sometimes you know yeah. we have such sweeping changes domestically and internationally like i think this is such an exciting year to be an lec fan because even before we start to talk about our 10 teams or the five teams that we're going to talk about today the format is completely different for lec i believe it'll be much better remains to be seen we haven't yep. tried it yet i um, think so too and yeah, and then we go into an MSI that looks way better. Yeah. You know, Worlds that looks way better. I mean, it's just like... I mean, it's, it's more competition. And I think people love competition and they love high-level competition. Yeah. So just a final touch on the on the LEC kind of format changes. A lot of people wanted best of threes or best of twos or more games between the top teams, but they didn't want to watch bottom teams crawl yeah. out in best of threes as well because you could have a Fnatic versus G2 and viewership would be great and everyone will love it and it's a best of three and everyone's having fun. But then you have like a bottom tier team, best of three, and no one really cares. doesn't yeah. really mean anything. So this format just basically means it's quick-paced, to get rid of the bottom tier teams or the teams that will struggle in best mm -hmm. of threes, then get the best of threes going. When we get our top four, then we throw them in the best of fives, double limb or whatever it may be, right? So it's a lot more high level competition, which I think people have been craving and have been preaching to riot about over the last few years. Yeah. And now they'll finally get it, which is important. You're not just going to get G2 and Fnatic one best of five and then they're gone. You know, yeah. they're back for round two, baby. And we had that kind of in our playoffs format, yep. but now there's three splits of it and there's a massive tournament at the end. Yeah. And I think that the big thing to note about this format is that like all formats, it's a, you know, in order to balance the needs of competitive and like what we want competitively, what we want to watch with running a studio and all this, there's always going to be a give and take. And the teams who do suffer, if you are a team or an org that finishes ninth and ninth and 10th in this format, you're, you're playing 27 games a year. Now, keep in mind, in the old format, well, it's 36, the old it was formats. 36 was the old format. So it's like fine. But also, yeah. but if you are consistently getting ninth and 10th, yeah. bro. Like, it's, put in more effort. And I feel yeah. bad for those players. Don't get wrong. I want them to have more experience. But I do hope that they can scrim these teams that are playing best of threes, that they can the, stick around. But at the same time, I think that... <clears throat> 
We've always seen in esports there are some orgs that just consistently sit at the bottom, and if they are not able to rally across nine games in a mm. single round robin to get out of bottom two, because all you have to do is get out of bottom two. Yeah, it is. It's but, not top six right off the bat in three weeks. It is. It is top eight. You really just can't be ninth or tenth. The the only argument I can bring up if I was an owner or a yep. coach of a team would be like, why would you want me to invest in rookie talent? to take a risk of getting knocked out after three weeks or two weeks. You know, yeah. I'm trying to train up these rookie players. If they're debuting on stage, they've got two weeks to make top eight That's or they're true. out, right? Uh, so it comes to the point of like, wow, they've debuted for two or three weeks. Now I have to sit here for about six and twiddle my thumbs and just give them another chance or do I well, you're talking sign about veterans, it's six, right? It's six weeks, right? Um, so you're out after three, you yep. miss out on three and you're back in. That, that's the only point that I could defend in a way, mm -hmm. but you know, it's very rare to throw a team of like five rookies together and it's very rare to see. I mean, it's not very rare, but it, in a business model, it's cheaper to get rookies, so you're more incentivized to do yeah. it because then they can, you know, their worth will skyrocket. and You don't have to sign veterans who uh, are later on in their careers are more expensive. Uh, but it, it can be risky in a, in a format like this of like similar to relegations. You know, it's like, do I want rookies and then get relegated? Mm -hmm. Do I want rookies mm -hmm. and then be gone? Sponsors are on my ass. The team owners on my ass. The CEOs on my ass saying, why the hell are we not on the screen? We're investing yeah. in rookies. Do we up the budget? Do we lower the budget? You know, it's, it, it, get, it can get a bit complicated on a business side. But for a viewer standpoint, this is this is great. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm excited for it, and we'll see. I you know, I, it seems like across the board. Obviously, this is you know a partnered league. All these teams are partnered and they were all a part of this decision. Yep. Don't know the details. I'm not a part of those meetings, but I would hope that people are happy because I'm happy and I think the fans are happy or I hope that they will be happy. That said, five teams, five mostly pretty different teams. We're talking about Excel, SK, G2 Esports, Heretics and Koi today. Um, where do you want to start? Could start anywhere. I think th there's a lot of changes on a lot of teams. Yeah. We can start with Excel because I've got it at the top of my little list. Here. Okay. The thing I want to do yep. for every team. Yep. Because people like tier lists and we like clickbait. Before we talk about this team, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna write down a letter here in front of me. Okay. S Dear to D sir tier. slash madame. Dear sir slash madame. <laughs> Mit Freundlich Grusen. Mit Freundlich and Grusen. Uh I can use the whiteboard, I've been told. All right. All right, little whiteboard action going on. All right, you're gonna have to save this for episode two then. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna write down where I expect excel to be s like placement or s tier? we can talk about where we expect them to place because okay. i think that initial expectations will change and then i'm just you're gonna say yours out loud and i'll reveal mine and we'll see how, we'll okay. see how close it's like are. a little bit of what is yeah. that game where you both say the same word at the same time you know like an odds on yeah so s to d tier so they can be s a b c or d is damon in d plus tier <laughs> <laughs> only for their logo design <laughs> I can't believe they've changed the name to D+. Plus. <laughs> yeah, for context, Damon Kia is the longer Damon Kia. They're called D+, plus Kia. Small rent. Let's carry on with the Odyssey. <laughs> we can, we'll just have to join the POG state. Okay, are you ready? Yeah. Get, what, what, what are you... Excel. So is it S+, plus or is it S, A? It, it's S, A, B, C, okay, D. Okay, A. You put them in A, I put them in B. B? Ooh, I put them okay. in B. Let's nice. talk about it. Let's talk about it. All right, I'll go first. So Excel, their top side is Oduamni, Xerxes, Vitio, right? You've got the Rogue slash Koi top laner, the Astralis jungler, and the Misfits mid laner. Do you know what mm -hmm. that reminds me of? What? 2022 Fnatic. Wunder mm -hmm. from G2, Razork yeah. from Misfits, Humanoid from Mad. And we saw a lot. Huh. I think a very good case study is Fnatic mm -hmm. because you take three players from three different teams which had different peaks, and they've learned the game in many different ways. And when I say learn the game in different ways, you often see pro players struggle to get on the same page. And the reason that is, is because they learn the comms concepts differently. They have different names for them. They're either more aggressive or more defensive in the way they do it. You know, a very good example is 
if I want to play for bot tier two, it's a very simple concept called a shift. You know, you push out mid, you move bot as four, and you join your top laner or whoever's on the side, uh, or as three, um, whoever's on the side on a wave that's crashing. Now, do you do that after you've gotten vision or before you've gotten vision? Do you do that after they're showing on mid wave or do you just full send it on the bot tower, right? Mm -hmm. There's like minute things in what you learn and how you've engraved the way the game should be played in your brain that you can sometimes desync, you know, your top laner crashes the wave and then they're, they're getting vision and you're like, wait, we're supposed to be hitting the tower. And then you need to just eventually get on the same page. And that takes a lot of time because that's just one example of many. Um, so I worry for their top side a little bit. If you take out the game part, look at stability, auto amne, really stable. Xerxe, very stable jungler, best player on Astralis. Actually, impressive play, despite them losing so many games. He was always even or ahead. Vito yeah. was the shining light of Misfits. Struggled mm -hmm. to, to kind of carry all of them on this back. Neon helped out a little bit. Um, and then just speaking about bot lane, uh, Targamas from G2. Uh, I don't think he was much of a voice in G2, but he was a very good playmaker, you know, roaming around, yeah. Pikes, his highlights. And I think Patrick's one of the best ADs in the carries we've got in the league. So... I'm a bit worried for their top side and how they'll mesh. I'm a bit worried for the team as to who will be the voice of the team and who will be like the direction, kind of the person that points the finger. Um, so I've put them in A tier. I think they have a chance of breaking top four just because of the raw star power. I don't think they're a super team. I think they're like a mini super team, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not like they've taken the best players from the top teams. They've taken the best players from the middle of the pack teams and then trying to make that into some kind of super team. Yeah, so to recap, in case you haven't been following, Odawan, Mesa, <coughs> VTO, Patrick, and Targamus is the roster here. So where I super agree on a lot of things, um, I think that a lot of the players on this team are like the unsung heroes of their respective lineups. I don't think it's fair to call Odawamne an unsung hero, but I think Zerse and VTO, obviously. We've sung a lot about VTO. I might as well just write a song about VTO. He was great last year. Uh, him and Neon obviously putting the team on their back. Not that all of Misfits haven't had great performance, and it is a pleasure to see across all of these rosters the, the Misfits lineup kind of get picked up despite the team leaving this league. But what excites me greatly about this roster is if we forget for a second that all League of Legends players are super adaptable and will adjust their styles. If we just look at how these players played last year, the things I'm really excited for is like Patrick is a rock and has been a rock across his entire career. You yep. have the pleasure of playing with this guy. He's really great. Odawamne well. is also a rock. Zerse is a guy who's historically been very creative, but I think was, as you highlighted on Astral, super reliable. And all of this gives so much room for VTO to shine. And that, to me, is what makes this team so exciting. It's because we saw kind of the potential of VTO last year. and But he was like, that team was an underdog at every turn. That team like didn't have expectations on their shoulders. And that's kind of what made... Part of what made Misfits so impressive is that you just didn't expect that much from them. But now VTO is on a team where it's not like they're the scrappy rookies, you know, who's who, with the rug getting pulled out from under them. And I think that this is an opportunity for him to prove that he is this like next generational mid lane talent because mm. he's kind of the only notable mid laner of his generation, right? Like we look at the the general like we had the Niski generation right with caps in it etc 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 and then we had like the humanoid larson nemesis generation and now we have this vto generation and there's other players in our league that are going to look to make a name for themselves but none of them have done so so far and so for me it's really exciting to see if vto can take that mantle the other player that i'm really hyped about is targamus now targamus i think was a little bit overhyped last year especially after msi where he was roaming around and making these big plays but i think that when both he and flackett were figuring out how to play on a team when they were, you know, when it wasn't like a rookie paired with a veteran in lane, it's hard to know what part of G2's bot lane struggles last year. And they had some great moments too, or their success, right, um, was a result of what which players or both players combined. But now that he's a 
with a guy like Patrick, if you want to talk about the roaming style, if you want to talk about communication and calling and like the potential for him to just do what he did very well last year, which was leave lane and make plays in other lanes, like Patrick is the perfect guy for him to do that. So all in all, Mm. I'm very much with you in that I think that this team's goal should be making top four, should be making final playoffs. I think that individually, these players are probably all top five in their positions. I think without seeing how anyone's playing in week one, Odawamne, easy call, Patrick, easy call, VTO, easy call. Zerse and Targamas, there's probably more debate for, but like VTO, Patrick, Odawamne, like your your respective laners, the respective carries on your team who are getting money are all probably even top four in their position. Uh, There's something you brought up there. I think I can kind of see it. If I look at this roster in VTO in the middle, it kind of just looks like a better version of what Misfits was, you know? Like Irrelevant yeah. was almost like a weak side tank the fuck, tank the gank yeah. kind of player. <laughs> Excuse my... <laughs> and Odawamne, I feel like, just does that better, you know? Yeah. You look at bot lane, Patrick and Targamas, it kind of gives me Neon Mercer vibes in a way uh, where Mercer could be a bit quiet, Targamas could be a bit quiet, you know? Uh, later on towards the split, Mercer changed it up with the things like the Mumu as well. The only difference I see is Xerxe versus Zanzara, whereas Zanzara will just pick Paul Poppy, Jarvan, Trundle, early gank every single lane, Malrank style in a way, and just try to get his laners ahead, even or, or even or ahead. But Cirque is more of a farming jungler. Yeah. I played against Cirque a lot. He's just a really creative jungler. He has so many pocket picks. He yep. plays things like Warwick and Carthus. Rum- and he was Hecarim the Rumble jungle, jungle guy, I think. Diana. He was the first real big Ivern he, player, Ivern. maybe He's alongside got, Broxa. He, when you draft against Cirque, he the only kind of threat that he poses in draft is you can't really ban him out. There's no yep. point in picking jungle and then banning two on red side because he will find something. Like if I do it with Lee Sin and ban, I don't know, like things like Xin Zhao and Poppy, he will find like a Hecarim or some, some champion there no matter what. So he's flexible. But he's also quite a farmer. He doesn't play things like Lee Sin or Jarvan. He doesn't play to early gank as much, I think. So maybe that could hinder the team a little bit where Cirque is a bit more focused on himself and his laners. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited for the roster. It's hard to doubt these names on paper and I don't think they will have any egregious inside the game no, no, outside the game kind of issues where the, yeah. the mood goes bad or the environment goes bad i think having a good environment is very important and i don't really there's not a name there that stands out to me as like this could be a you know a toxic yeah a toxic situation and I think this is one of the the rosters that's easiest to see coming together on paper and part of that is because i know outside of targamas i know <clears throat> almost all of these players pretty well individually and they're all really adaptable personalities odawamne and patrick and zerse especially are a trio that it's to me it's like if this team turns into the VTO show and that's how they want to play the game, none of them are going to be the guys who get a chip on their shoulder and are like, no, but me, I should be should play through me. Yeah, like if the meta demands playing through. I guess my only concern actually would be a meta where we're at utility mids and we're back to things like Galio, Lissandra, whatever. Play for side lanes. And it's play for side lanes. That would be the only time I'm worried. That said, I trust Patrick and I trust Odo, but yeah. I think... The best version of VTO that I have seen, and that is a very good version, that is a team that really carried so many of those Misfits mm. games, is when he is on the Akalis, when he is on the Playmakers. Like, when he got forced off of the Silas's of the world and he was put on to Syndra, like, you could see he was a very, very different player. Question then. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Yeah. Why B tier if you have so much kind of, like, praise for them in a way? I don't f- feel strong. I have... I, S tier is, like, feels really... Wind split. S tier. S tier feels only the win split. Yeah. And I feel like eight, and I'm probably going to have two A tier at the end of the day. I'm okay. rating these as we go. Okay. So I, I haven't built That's my full tier the way you have. And I think that the thing for me is like, it feels like this is roster is less of a sure thing. And also I'm hesitant to give anyone a clear S tier at this point, because I think the easiest one would be Koi, because mm-hmm. they kept four out of five. But even then, 
there's this feeling in the back of my mind, and I hate it because it comes up anytime rogue, coy, whatever come up, where it's like, was it a one-time thing? Was it a... A one-time ting. A one-time ting. Was it a... Not a fluke, because obviously they earned it. They absolutely smashed G2. But like, was what, is this something that is repeatable for this lineup? Yeah, I mean, we've seen lineups succeed in the past, replace one player, and then and all things comes fall apart. Down. Like, not to single out, but like an example is a good way. I don't want to be the person that attacks or anything, but just as an example, well, the way playstyles don't work together is just, you know, the G2 situation in 2021 when they bring in Reckless, right? Yeah. Like, the team just... It's working. Their regular season looks great, but it's just something's not clicking. And that can be down to playstyle, can be down to out of game. It can be like just the ideas of how the game should be played. Um, and I think this could be our good segue to Koi. Now let's talk about In the Koi. sense where it's like, what does that mean for Koi? Well, I think Shigenda. So, real is, quick, Koi, if we yep. can swap over. Uh, exactly the same as the Rogue lineup last year. They've now partnered with Koi. Koi, Rogue, together now. It's just Koi. Segenda, Maorang, Larson, Comp, Trimby. So the same Rogue lineup that yep. won last year's summer split that went to Worlds that made it to the bracket stage and got promptly 3 0 but we don't need to talk about that. Just replacing Odawamne from Vitality with Segenda. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, so just to take that Reckless G2 comparison and say, like, what do I see Reckless as on G2? I see him more of as, like, um, a safe ish player he won't destroy in lane but he will play losing matchups and go even yep. and he shouldn't be able to do that but he does and he's like a, a really solid rock late game carry he can play things like jinx tristana for example or he can play things like senna and that's a different style in bot lane he doesn't maybe want to play things like caitlin and you just lane dominate lane kingdom yep. full for bot kind of rogue style you know uh, koi style so how does that compare to, to koi well shigenda is i think quite different to Oduamne in the sense that he is just a raw carry top. We saw him on Vitality a, a couple of years ago, I believe, where he was sh sharing time with uh, another top laner. I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Vitality was just going through all those rosters because like, they swapped him in and out changes. a few times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he is he think play does play things like Orn, but it, just to read champions off the list for his 2022 season: GP, Gwen, Fiora, Renekton, Aatrox, Akali, Nar, Camille. Because Renekton Kenan. was really good. When that's that's his his champion pool, right? And he. I haven't watched all his games in ERLs, but he was probably the best top lane in the ERL next to Cabochard. Him yep. and Cabochard were just like the top of the tier. And Adam was also playing really well as well. He was still playing his Psycho Picks. We'll get to um, BDS later on. But uh, Shigenda was a standout. And I think Rogue now have changed their style. Odo could play... I mean, you remember the finals? He played Orn into Gwen against BB and he solo killed him under tower yeah. as Orn, counterpicked by Gwen. That's reliability. Now you've got this kind of volatile top laner of like... I want a last pick top. Yeah. I want you to blind mid. I want you to blind support. I need to counter pick. And that changes your whole dynamic because Maorang maybe wants to play more towards top side. Uh, top lane can be a bit more, you know, Armageddon in the sense that one carry matchup, Camille Jax will just swing in, in the other side's favor. So it's a different play style for, for, for Koi. Um, how are they going to pull it off? I'm not sure, but I think it's, it's a good step in the right direction. A lot of teams have taken risks on top laners and if you want my brutally honest opinion, I think top lane in Europe is the weakest role in international events. I mean, we saw it with BB when he played like yeah. things like Fiore into Nugri. Uh, 100% agree. Not to call him out too much, but like he struggled in a carry matchup versus Tank and fell behind. And top lane has always been like this weak spot of lacking carry potential. Mm -hmm. uh, Odo against Khan, you know, Damon versus Rogue 20, 2020, 2021, yep. struggled a lot in things like the Lucian matchups. Um, and it's just that adaptability is where we've kind of been, it's, it's our kryptonite. So Shigenda is a player who is in that wheelhouse of carry tops. It's just a case of how well he can do it and how well can Rogue play around it, Koi play around it. A good yep. example, 
final rent is T1. You know, uh, when I watched a lot of T1's games last year, what's owner's pathing? He always clears the top, lane ganks top, and then bases and top plays in isolation. He yep. either gets a flash, TP out early, and Zeus plays the lane safely, and he plays it to get a small lead on the carry. Well, Fantastic. That works. And, you know? I, and the thing I love about that specific example as well is that because he does it so consistently, and because the even though it, you could argue that it's predictable, it's like... And thus, your jungler is also going top. Yeah. Your top laner has to respect it. And Zeus is also already so good individually that it just compounds that existing advantage, this knowledge in the back of your top laner's head that, like, at any moment, owner's going to get here. So even if I maybe somehow get that good trade versus Zeus, if I overcommit, yeah. yeah, like, I'm dead. So yeah. I have to just play back. That trade means nothing. I'm, I'm going to get a push out anyway. And that's just an example of a, a concept that maybe Koi will look at and try to apply. Yeah. But then you also, like, there's a push and pull, you know? Like it's it's just you put more resources in one basket, you lose it in the other. So now bot lane has to play a bit different on the first few waves. Maybe your Caitlyn Karma lane. Yep. Now Shigenda has to give up a bit. They need to learn how to play with each other very well. And saying that sounds quite easy, but in practice it can get quite difficult, you know, because tendencies always shine through. Yeah. You know, when the pressure is on, people resort back to what they know, what they don't have to communicate, which is the shit that they've practiced before this team, which yeah. is the stuff they practiced in solo queue. If they're a rookie, it's it's they you just. You're, you go into habit. You go into you muscle memory at this point. And you, know? you need to, I think there's habit and temptation. Temptation yeah. is a dangerous thing. If you get a good trade on the enemy top laner and your jungler is bot <laughs> and you're saying to yourself, I mean, enemy jungler could be here, but I actually think I have lethal. Like, I mm -hmm. think I have a kill. And you, you get sucked into that mindset of going for it and dying and losing a push out. It feels very spiritual. It's horrible. But you sometimes cave into it and just go for it. And, and you're so, just like, damn, that apple looks great. Yeah. I would love to doom all yeah. of mankind. And you know you're getting baited, but there's a small chance that he's fake pressuring you. You know, an enemy jungler's on his grump and he's mm -hmm. saying to you, go on, I dare you. And you go for it and die or you go for it and get the kill, whatever it may be, you know, just resisting that temptation. So back to Koi, I put them in S tier personally. Okay. I put them in A. You put them in A? I'm Fair enough. A. I, I, I don't know if I'm going to have an S tier. I'm thinking about it more and more. I think it'd be really stupid for me to have an S tier at this point. Fair enough. Because I think Fair Koi enough. are our best team. Koi should be on paper our best team. They should be. And it's ironic because at the start of last year, I thought Rogue, Koi would be yeah. B tier, A tier maybe, you know? The Malrank playstyle, I thought would get shut down well, as well. Next to all these pro players interview saying it's gonna run re out, recap, it never did. <laughs> recap, we all thought that, maybe not we all thought, but the big things we were looking at last year were, if you were a G2 fan, the G2 rebuilding project, and yep. you were looking at the Fnatic and Vitality quote unquote super, super teams. teams. That's what people were looking at. That's what we were looking at. That was on paper the biggest, strongest roster. Now this, as we've learned, this could be wildly different. I will say that it would be, a massive failure for this team with so many components in the same place with so much of the work of learning how to play the game together. Obviously, there's new component that changes a lot. It would it would be crazy for them not to make finals in winter. In spring and summer, so much can change because the other lineups are going to grow and they're probably in many ways going to grow at a faster rate um, because the only thing, it's going to be slow growth just to implement this agenda in. But we don't know how high the ceilings of the teams are going yeah, to be. True. But at the start of the year, Koi should be our best team. They should. And and I think the the wiggle room for argument is, let's say Odoamne um, was replaced by Wunder instead of Shigenda. Yep. Very kind of similar-ish play styles, wealth of experience, they know what they're doing. Just a Gragas instead of an Exactly, really. just a little yeah. cheeky Gragas taking the dives, getting yeah. the double yeah. kills. You know how it is. An easy day at the office. Um the, the team would function almost the exact same. It's just this Shigenda change, which I worry that are you going to convert Shigenda into Oroamne or are you going to convert your team into a carry top team? That's the only thing they need to work on. But I think they have the best bot lane in the league. Comp and Trimby, I think, yep. are hands down the best bot lane. There's, there's bot lanes that can rival them, 
just we haven't seen them yet. Yep. But as of right now, I think they're just so good, so flexible. Trimby Champul comp's yep. been so consistent at Worlds. We saw it as well in the in the in the group stage. Well, and also just in in general, because in the past, I think it's been very easy to take the wind out of the sails of Rogue now Koi of Koi. Um, but Larson had some out of this world games at Worlds. He monstered in the playoffs last season. Like these players. I think Malrang, you can always debate. His impact is undeniable, but where you rate him on actual qualitative jungle, whatever, I'm not going to get into. I'm not a jungler. You should see his stats, mate. He's yeah. negative everywhere. everywhere. I know. This is like, let's not talk about it. But if I look at Larson, Comp, Trimby, top three is the lowest I would feel comfortable rating them in their respective positions. Now, you might say speculatively that there are players with higher ceilings or players that you believe will perform better. But in terms of what these players feel like they have the guarantee, should come in at the guaranteed highest level or near the highest level top three coming into this season. Malrang again. Malrang is Malrang. Literally for my, I wrote notes for every player. And for Malrang, this is my note. Malrang is Malrang. Truly I mean, nuts, but damn is he good at what he does. Everyone else, three, four paragraphs. I'm like, yeah. what do I even say about Malrang uh, anymore? I mean, you, I, that I haven't said, you know? You either get the finals Malrang of the the, the yeah. summer finals, or you get the Lee Sin versus JDG Malrang race. God knows what's going what, on. With no this. one knows. No, like, he just committed I'm to just the role play. He's like, actually wearing a blindfold. Nobody yeah. knows. And the last thing I'll say about Malrang is uh, obviously everyone knows him as his like psycho early game jungler yep. spam gank. Now, uh, if the meta is in that direction, he will dominate. If it's in a farming jungler meta where I feel like it's kind of leaning towards a bit where we're seeing things like Graves and Wukong, is it going to go towards things like Lilia and Diana? Mm. If it does, then if I gank bot, I do a level two by gank bot and the enemy jungler goes to my top side and takes my camps. If he's playing Trundle, it doesn't matter. Like, who cares? A level up on Trundle, yep. you're not going to carry. But if you're playing like Graves or Diana and you're losing your top side and they're three quadranting, even when you get kills, it's really not worth. So they need to be careful in which direction the meta goes. Um, yep. But yeah, I'm confident this team well, will still be up there. And I think if we're going to give Sagenda that question mark next to Sagenda, is he going to turn into the weak side top laner that Rogue had last year or wanted from Odawamne last year. We can ask the same to Maorang any year, which is there is Maorang is not condemned to the Maorang play style for the rest of his career. Like he can show us a change at any time, but until proven otherwise, because we've wondered this literally every split, every playoff series, every best of five. Can't keep getting away with it. The Jarvan's gonna be in the back of my mind until he picks something else. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's what we're gonna be thinking about. And it's it's not, you know, again, condemning Maorang to this being the only thing that we're ever going to say about him. But until he shows us something different, he's shown us the same damn thing him. for so long. And I love it. Yeah. But just if you are a Malrang fan, you're like, but he's so good. Maybe he can change. Like, yeah, maybe he can. But until he does. But Malrang will always be, he always have a special place in my heart. Maybe the LEC's heart just because of that one interview after they won the finals. And, they, and remember, I think Law was like, they're going to end the game. What did you do? How did you stop them? He just goes, I don't know. I just go in. <laughs> legend what? you you don't give a crap just get in there You're boy so, good. so yeah i, I rate Maring. I, I think um i was also skeptical at the start of this year like is he really gonna keep getting away with this yeah and then eventually he kept getting away with it and i was like you know what fair enough you've proved me wrong and uh, i'm not afraid to sit there and be like i was wrong you know respect yep. you first jarvan then poppy then trundle and we're vi we're still going down the list let lease in let's cancel that out don't don't do that one again but uh, i like it picasso yep okay so at the end of the day i'm giving him a Cadrill's putting them in S, which I think is is fair. If you are a Koi fan or you are looking at the LEC and you're not attached to anyone, I think Koi should be your front runners. Koi also, should. welcome Koi. Welcome Koi. Welcome it's you exciting. by. Welcome to the whole org. Yeah. That's it's sick. It's super exciting. Uh, I loved it. I love the show match they played that you met at Casted. Uh, I mean, it's it was fun. Good time, and I'm really excited to see what this lineup 
can do as they continue forward in the future. And Shagenda, you know, like coming in on this, I think is a big opportunity for him. Like yep. pressure, team play style, whatever aside, uh, I'm always hyped when players who have grinded, players who have been so close get shots like this again. Because um, oftentimes we see players come up, they play on a not good team. And as a result, it becomes really hard to detangle what are their individual failings and what are the team's failings. So mm. anytime... You know, you give a player like Sagenda this opportunity, and obviously he fought for that opportunity in URLs. So I don't want to take any credit away from what he did. It's a chance for him to rewrite his own story, and I yep. think that is sick. I'm excited. Yeah, I agree. Last thing I'll say about uh, Koi is something Yanko said on. I don't know if it was on stream, but someone told me about it. He, they said that Yanko thinks that whichever team has the strongest bot lane is more favored domestically because that's just how Europe works. Like yep. strong bot lane is everything. Yep. And uh, yeah, if you go by that logic, I think Koi is pretty safe no matter what. The you know, worst case, if things go, you know, his defend, just put Shigen on a cheeky little on, get him on the Gragas, give him the ways of Odo, show him a couple bots, I would love and just to be wrong. shit under his tower. I would love to be wrong. Um, but so yeah. yeah, I agree with that statement a little bit. I also think mid jungle in Europe is everything too, but uh, I guess top is the least impactful role in Europe if anyway. I, the European team comp, that just felt feels like it's been true for so long when Europe is at its best is tank engaged top laner, essentially only Orn, because mm. Orn is just the best at what he Legendary does. Legendary champ. Ganking mid laner. Or Jung ganking jungler. jungler. Yeah. Carry mid laner, carry bot, uh, engage support. And that just feels like if the meta is that for Europe, we're always like 20% stronger than we are in any other Yeah, meta. when it goes to like carry top, carry jungle, we're like... Or like enchanter support. You can no, show, and no you disrespect can show to Trimby, because Trimby proved he could play enchanter support, so he had great moments last year. But as a whole, as a region... Yeah, like Europe is great at the team fight, at forcing fights when they have tools to do so. But like cheeky little RM gamers, cheeky little RM gamers. Yeah. You know, we, we you know we were born in the ARM. We, 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 we die in the ARM. Yeah. You know, when they want to play side lanes, we, we struggle. Pike mid baby. Pike mid baby. That was Pike the weirdest mid. it got. Mm. Um, transitioning away, I'm going to save G2 Esports and, and Heretics till last, just because there's a little bit of intertwining there with the departure of Yankos. But we'll go to SK Gaming. SK Gaming. Uh, irrelevant, Marcoon, Sirtus, Exekick, and Doss. I like it. Now, before we talk about this team at all, because I forgot it on the last one, but we'll remember it here. I'm not even going to write my rating. I'll just say my rating because I've got my rating in my head. Yep. What, what, do you, what do you rate this team? C tier. Yeah, I think C's fair. C tier, yeah. Um, I, think, I think it's all right. I, I, I can see it going poorly and I can see it going pretty well, actually, because they've taken a little bit of a risk on bot lane. If I was a coach of a team and you said to me, do you want to run back Jesu treats for another split in a year? I'd be like, or take a risk on a, on a, on a bot lane. Yeah. Uh, this LDLC bot lane was um, on uh, EU Masters finals. They lost, to, I think it was K Corp in spring. Mm -hmm. um, so they, they they were at the top of their game in, in, in ERLs. Exekick's quite a hyped up, I don't want to say prodigy, but he's been hyped up quite a lot by the community. He's always um, been been regarded as a very good AD carry, very sorry, solid AD carry, one of the best in the ERLs. Take a risk, you know. And as much as DOS, is a bit controversial at times, does say a little bit of stupid things on social media here and there, is regarded as toxic. I don't think he is toxic. A lot of the yep. players I've spoken to, maybe in solo queue he is, a lot of the players he's played with on a team have said positive things about him. You know, I just had a little bit of an ask around yep. and they said he's a good teammate, good player. And, you know, overall, well, Doss has been very high on the solo queue ladder, if you want to be realistic uh, and, for a while. And Doss is another player like Sagenda who I feel like didn't really get his fair chance to shine. And the LEC, for those who don't remember, he was swapping time with Doss and Den or Doss and Denik were swapping time on the Misfits lineup and kind of Doss was supposed to be the better player but Denik ended up being the more vocal player as I remember from what the sta staff told me and yeah. that ended up being what the team needed and he didn't really get the team's results weren't great 
regardless of who was playing, to be honest. They were slightly better with Denix. So Doss didn't really get a fair chance on the LEC stage. And now he's coming in, I think, with a lot more hype behind him. Because as you said, the LDLC bottom lane were very good together. And they've stuck together. I think it would be more of a question if we were seeing Doss on their own or Exic on their own. But because they're playing together again, it's easy to see how they would bring a lot of that synergy together. Yep. You know, talking to Lore, she said a lot of their strengths in aggressive. These are super aggressive laners, which I think is going to be a necessity when you look at the... The bot lanes that are coming in. We just talked about Comp and Trimby. You're looking at for G2, not to skip ahead, but you're looking at a Han Summon Mickey X bottom lane that if we assume they'll get back to their ceiling, we're known for being a 2v2 kill lane. You've got a Hillisang Karzi lane, which is going to be the biggest coin. Like, like, yeah, we can say that for next episode, but you see what <sighs> I mean. Like, you cannot be the kind of lane that just rolls over and dies. You yeah. have to be the lane that's ready to fist fight. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited for X-Kick and DOS. They played with Yaiku, we'll get to later on, uh, on G2. Um, but yeah. I like take I like the risk idea. Just yep. just flip it on the bot lane. They could be superstars, they could be mediocre, they could be bad, whatever it may be, just take a risk. And they've taken that risk consciously because they've taken Irrelevant, which we talked about a little bit later on, uh, earlier on, who is on Misfits was just a, you are going to soak as much pressure as yep. possible. You're going to blind pick top in the first three or whatever it may be to make it so we get better better matchups mid and bot and you're going to tank it all and you're going to play Orin and you're going to be safe. And Irrelevant's good at that. It worked for Misfits. Neon yeah. picked Sivir, VTO picked Syndra, whatever. Irrelevant survived for, for such a young player. He did a surprisingly good job of absorbing pressure. There are so yep. many other rookies we've seen come into this league that just get bodied by more veteran top laners. He did surprisingly well. Yeah, and, and the times it, that he got put behind, he recovered quite well, I think. Yeah. Um, and if he wants to come out and play Camille Jacks, props, go ahead. You do you, King. Yep. You know, but I can see where they're doing it. You know, take a risk, bot, have safe top. And then I think the star of the lineup for me is Markoon. Sure. I actually think that he's... He was a really good jungler last split uh, last year, you know, when yep. they were they were so close to getting to the next round, they got reverse swept by Fnatic. There was a lot of what ifs around that XL roster if they kept going forwards, uh, and there was a lot of like shining well, lights in those games where yeah. you're like, ah, oh, it's sad to see them get knocked out already, even though they're already in the lower brackets. You know, they're they're taken out, they're and gone. He's the kind of jungler I feel like you can bet on because he plays that jungle style. He is active early game. He's not yeah. afraid to play carries. And this isn't, he was a part of that XL lineup that I think a lot of us expected more from, partly because every time you talked to any pro ever, they were like, Excel is murdering yeah, people in crazy. And then it just never transitioned to stage. So to see him on a newer lineup, not surrounded by nearly as much veteran talent, but in a, on another kind of younger roster where he can maybe take more of a leadership mantle on a soldier. It's like huge, again, rebirth potential for Marcoon, continue his story, um, past just being a really good, aggressive early game jungler on Excel. Like Marcoon is one of the reasons that I really can believe. Like I, I don't know enough about Exekick and DOS to know how well they're going to transition to LEC. That's always going to be a massive question mark. Yeah. Sertos did not have a great season or a great year last year. He had some really shining, redeeming moments. You know, he had a good Akali game. He had a great week. SK had some good upsets. But SK was such a mess as a team, as a whole. Again, it doesn't feel fair to condemn Surtus to like, oh, you're bad. But I also say that he still, I think, has to prove himself before we can know where he stands. Now that he has what feels like a more deliberate, a more focused team built around Yeah, him. I think what we often see at times with these players, I'll bring Dior into this conversation as well, is Dior had great performances on Vex, but when the team is out of contention, their players just play better. Like mm -hmm. Certus and Dior, I think we're in the same boat of like, we are now out of playoffs. There is no pressure or nerves or expectations or stakes. 
let me just play my game. And you see you see good performances. You see Surtis play well. You see uh, players like the York play well. And you, you always wonder at the end of the split, like, what if, you know? But it yeah. just comes too late. And I think that's just the last push of over the edge to make them play on that level. So uh, Surtis still needs a lot of time to grow. Overall, I don't know. I don't have the stats on me, but I feel like this is probably one of the youngest rosters in the league. Like Irrelevant, Marku, and Surtis, Exekick, Doss are all quite young. I think Doss is probably the eldest don't, of them all. I don't know about age because I just don't know player age. It's not something that I check yep. until Worlds comes around and we like to throw it around like fun facts. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but like in terms of actual games played in very the LEC, young. very young. Like yeah. in terms of actual LEC stage experience, super, super So young. this is just the roster where it's kind of like the world's your oyster, you know. Uh, hopefully the coaching staff can like implement good fundamentals because oftentimes yep. you see uh rookie players or a team of very young players without a veteran the fundamentals fall apart and the games just are lost in 10 minutes because you do not have a foundation upon like veterans just knowing exactly what to do and how to bring the game back or how to stabilize a game because you always get lost in the mind of like going for risks and rookies love to do that and they love to make pop-off plays or they like to do flashy things or they overthink things and they get too aggressive uh so they need to make sure that they have a solid foundation so these games are not just lost and they can actually think through the game rather than getting carried away in the game there's no person on that roster like you know an odawamni or or i don't know like a yankos or someone to just calm everyone the hell down and find yeah. a direction well so and that's no one, the only and no one that we know in that capacity there's always a chance for that person to rise up yep. and become someone on that lineup maybe it's marcoon maybe it's someone like Doss. um and we'll have to see i this is this is my thing though as much as we're like talking about optimism for this team this team is probably making top eight yeah fighting i think fighting getting in there but at the start of the year in the winter split it's not, in my eyes, fair to expect much more from them than that. I think they can have a good showing and some of the best of threes in round two. But right now, when you look at their individual players, Marcoon, maybe breaking your top five junglers lists. Maybe he's just outside of that. Irrelevant. Again, top lane pool, not the strongest in EU, but I don't think he's on that list. Sirtis, probably not on that list for people. Exekikindas, obviously just going to be a question mark until we see more from them. So it's like, just on paper strength alone, they're not cracking top four. No, I think they'll be battling BDS for top eight. I think those two will be the teams will be fighting each other to get yeah. into top eight. Maybe not so much knocking each other out, but I think BDS is on in a similar boat with just more expertise. Like yeah. your players have been to Worlds, your players like Crown, you have been you know in multiple mm-hmm. teams and have like re- revamped teams. So I just think they're young, fun, and enjoy yourselves. And I think they'll push themselves into yeah. the top eight. And I'm excited to see what this team does across the first season. I hope that they are able to make top eight for their sake. And then I'm curious what they look like in spring. Because I think that this is a team that with some time to grow, uh, we don't know what the ceiling for a lot of these players looks like. If we do know what the ceiling looks like already, then this is dire already. This is not going to be a great team. But I, I, I would like to think that all these players are young enough that they still have so much more to show us. And this is a team that is going to be, maybe they hit the ground running. Preseason prep can always mean that some teams can hit the ground running. But um, in general, this is more of a long-term thing for me. Also, quick thing for everyone watching at home, YouTube specifically, not so much on Spotify. Drop something in the comments. I want to see your tier lists in the comments. I want to see where you would rank these teams. S, A, B, yeah, C, yeah. D. I like that. You can like throw that. in all like 10 that. teams as well. Because put maybe it on that's... this episode or next episode. Yeah, yeah, put it on this episode for all 10. And then sure. maybe next time you guys can have a look at them. Instead oh, of Twitter questions, like just like see that. other people's ratings. Yeah, shout know? out to the YouTube gang. We appreciate you guys. Yeah, we YouTube see, gang, get involved. You get guys involved. have nice things to say. Yeah, get involved. Let us know what you think. Um, right. Should we move to Heretics? Because I think we can go from the young guns to the good old people the good that have been old around boys, the block. People are known. Okay, so Heretics, big. Again, they bought the slot from Misfits, New Orleans. Welcome, Heretics. A lot, a lot of Spanish org. A lot of Spanish yeah, blood, yeah, yeah. baby. Let's go. I think it's run by a um, a big Spanish content creator. I don't want to butcher his name, but I think it was Greg <laughs> F. 
something like this. Um, <laughs> you could tell we did a research. I, I'm going to be honest. We, we care about the teams, the players, yep. uh, the org side. We love you guys. We appreciate you. We love that you are investing in esports, um, and we'll try to do better at learning your names yeah. in the future. Because so, I forgot to shout out yeah. Ebay with Koi. Yeah. But like, Ebay, you know, <laughs> Ebay, big uh, big brand behind Koi, Koi yep. pushing them forwards. Greg F is the person behind Heretics pushing yep. them forwards. Another familiar face that maybe some of the OGs will know from Heretics, who's a content creator for them now, does a lot of their league stuff. Is Werlib? Oh yeah, Werlib. Werlib is old school Giants top laner. He was on Fnatic a little bit. Turned into yeah, yeah, and it didn't have like the crazy career uh, in the LEC or in the EULCS at the time. He was but around for a long time. Though. But it was a long front time yeah. and is a wonderful content creator. Yeah, like awesome. Is sick, at, sick at what he does. Shout out to Werlip. Um, so yeah, Heretics. Evie from DFM. Yep. Yankos from G2. Ruby from Unicorns of Love. Who is a, just to be clear, if you do not know him, he's also a player from Korea who has played in the PCS as well as the LPL. So Really? Okay, yes. you can give me all the deets on him then. Uh, Jack Spectra from Heretics and Mercer from Misfits. Um, I'll start a little bit with bot lane and then we can move our way up um, because I just want to touch on Jack Spectra quickly. Sure, yeah. So Jack Spectra was has been hyped for around a year or two now. Um, it's been a while. He was supposed to be, he was expected to be the Reckless replacement. He was yep. expected to be... He was supposed to go to K Corp before yeah, Reckless went to K Corp. Like a, a Jack Spectra has been the the you know kind of the expected next in line of the eighty carry prodigy title for a very yeah. long time. I don't want to sit here and say I know him very well because I, I haven't spoken to him a lot, but I've watched his trajectory quite often. You know, yep. he has been at the top of solo queue for a long time. You know, he often, if you ever want to spot him out, he has like a little zero at the end of his name. So his name will be like Pride with a zero at the end. So that's you know how that's Jack Spectra. He has a lot of different I um in-game names around that area he also does a lot of streaming he does a lot of content creation before he actually joined the lec uh when it comes to like playing different roles you know jungle to challenger you know mid lane all the way up to to whatever it may be he did a lot of different ones i don't know the exact ones and he i think was probably ready for the lec around a year ago before this year in, in heretics but i'm happy that he's waited a year and I'm happy that he didn't get the opportunity until now. And that might be a bit mean to say, but I say it from a good place because I think oftentimes you see players who are hyped, thrown into the LEC, they're out after a split yep. and they're not given their chance yep. properly yep. or yep. they're yep. done dirty on a bad team or they just lack that extra year under their belt to know how to handle emotions or pressure well, or certain game states. And, and I think he is now at the right blossom time to throw into the big leagues. The right blossom time, I love it. Um... Yeah, I think it's always best if you can come in at the start of the year on a team like this that is completely rebuilt, that has to learn how to function from the ground up because that is, when people are subbed in from like last year's format from spring to summer, I think that's always putting you at a disadvantage because you're bringing in the baggage or the positives right from the from the split in the past. You're, you're carrying whatever was with you there before and you don't get a fresh start. Sometimes that can be a boom. Like if you just join a team that's winning and is everybody loves each other, it's really easy to get into that mood, right? But that rarely happens. Yeah. Uh, more often than not, you're joining the team that's probably a hot mess. Yeah. And like, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to be the god you're savior of everyone. You're trying to figure out, you know, which way is up in the world of LEC scrim weeks and trying to get everything down, trying to see what of your ERL, you know, experience transfers. Yeah. And everything, yeah, and it's just burning down around you. I think that's so hard. So I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that he is getting a big opportunity here on a fresh lineup. Yeah. He's also been screwed over so many times by different teams. So welcome, Jack. It's about bloody yeah. time he's here. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited for him. Uh, I think he will do uh, really well maybe some touch on game stuff he really likes to play things like draven you know Callista, oh, yeah. aphelios that's really his bread and butter um they won eu masters summer heretics yep. um so that was a big step for him in his career and i think that's a good note to end on interesting though because we often see like el yoya good example 
EU Masters planes knocked out, joins Mad Lions in next split, MVP. You know, yep. absolute beast chunger, him and inspired going toe to toe, Goku Vegeta style, you know, yep. reverse sweeping Love kids it. left Love and right. It. So it's great that he's won, uh, but there's always those little gems hidden underneath, you know, in the planes and stuff like that. So we'll see how other teams do. And Ruby could be one of them. I don't actually know a lot about him at all. I don't either. Uh, I looked at his history. I looked through his match history. I watched one or two of his games. I, I don't have strong opinions on Ruby yet. I will say that one of the things that makes me very excited about Ruby is how many different leagues and regions that he has played in, even if they were for shorter periods of time. Uh, there's a lot of names you're not going to recognize. Afrika Freaks is a sub back in 2017. is one that you'll probably know. Um, recently won Prime League with UOL. I, 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 just in general, I'm excited about this guy, but I'll tell you why specifically I'm excited about him, and it actually has nothing to do with Ruby. It has to do with their coaching staff because Heretics has Peter Dunn. And oh, yeah. I don't... I'll, I have talked to Peter Dunn about coach uh, about like how he scouts, and some of it is unintelligible nonsense to me. That man does a lot of very specific things that I don't entirely understand, but his track record is sick. His track record is nuts. He worked on EG. He worked on Mad Slash Splice. These are orgs that have found some of the best talent in the last few years. So I'm not going to tell you 100. If I did understand 100% what Peter Dunn was doing, I could tell you whether or not this is like a uh, Peter Dunn specialty find, you know? I don't. But I will say that anytime there's a new player like Ruby that I'm uncertain of, I'm now willing to give him the benefit of the doubt because the man that helped find him in this context is a guy with such a track record for success. So I'm going to leak something right now because I actually love it. And I think this should be public information. I don't think it's a big secret at all. So over the last few years, there has been a lot of, I don't know what the word is, programmers, software developers. People have designed this big, massive program and different teams have different ones. And what it does is it takes all the players on solo queue ladders, EUS, Korea, NA, it looks at all their games, takes all their stats from every single one, even the smallest things of like, how often do they roam around their junglers? How often yeah. do they leave their lane? How lane percentage, you know? How close are they to their bot lane? How many times have they warded? How many times are they next to their support? What's their positioning like in certain fights, like heat maps, everything. It takes all of their stats and gives them a ranking. And I saw it around at the end of last year when I was looking into coaching. And when these teams were looking at certain players and had players like Caps on there and Faker and Chovy. And for example, Chovy was at the top of the list for like CS numbers in solo queue. It was raw data, CS numbers, average farm, like last hitting, how many did he miss? Mm -hmm. How many did he miss in lane? how many of them in side lanes every stat you could ever imagine and a ranking and he was top of the list right and you would see certain players like i think a good example of like volatility leader was quite high up there yeah you know lots of kills lots of deaths volatile lane phase good thing bad thing reasons why in stats and i just think that coaching has got uh, scouting has got to a point where all these programs are so helpful because you can draw conclusions by watching the game, but you can also draw incredibly good stat conclusions from these massive software things that all these teams are developing to find the next gem. And you can see all these like little names, like random, just nitpick names you've never heard of next to players like, you know, uh, Caps or, or Humanoid or all of these things. And to some players, solo queue means a lot. So you can take that information and actually apply it. Some people, they don't really give a shit about solo queue. So yeah. a lot of the information is kind of useless, but I think it's a great system and tool that, that that teams have and i don't know if the public know about it but it's really cool so if you ever i don't know if there's any coach out there that wants to show it or like yeah, give a little we'll sneak about, peek like, of like 2020 or 2021 analytics, analytics. yeah give it a show i would love to see it again it was really cool yeah and i think that um you know peter is a guy and this that i'm giving the benefit of the doubt to in this context again to bring it back and ruby is a player that i'm excited for i don't know where to rank ruby i don't know what to expect from ruby in the context of this team so i I did this on my stream a couple of days ago. A lot of people say Ruby's really good. Uh, there was a lot of like praise towards him. Mm -hmm. Eumas, he was great. I looked at his champ pool, very control magey. I yep. want to say like 
Nemesis style. Okay. You know, a little bit of Vagar, a little bit of Cassidy, a little, little bit, bit of Corky. Oh, okay. Azir, that, you know? That's what you mean by Nemesis style. I was that like, kind of wheelhouse. Cassidy came in. All right. That kind of wheelhouse of like control mage, even a little bit of Aatrox mid, you know, so flexibility yeah. as well. Um, but it sounds like, I'm just looking here, 24 years old, he's been in the LPL, you said, been in the PCS, stuff like this, been subs in Korea. So he has a wealth of experience and I think that's pretty important. I think that's really good. Um, they've not taken a risk on any kind of rookies and they've gone for, for Ruby. So I think stats look good. That's the only information I can go off, um, but excited. I think there's, I don't know how, there was three imports from Korea last year, I believe. There was Haru, Yonghoon, and Malring. Mm -hmm. Now I think that's gone up a bit with players like Ruby coming in, Photon, Bo, Chasey, you know. Yeah. I think there's the imports have gone up, so we'll see how they all do. Um, Ebby, I mean, you could... Ebby as well, of course, yeah, from J Japan. Um, so yeah, not sure what to think about Ruby. Then you get to the top jungle. The oh, wait, real quick on Mursa. Oh yeah, quick Mursa. Yeah. Mursa, great Leona, yeah. great Amumu, great Engager. Um, he is one of the people that I think... When Misfits were winning games, not on the back of just VTO popping off, he was a huge, huge part of a lot of those games. Now, he had some incredibly grief games as well, don't get me wrong, but Mercer's a guy who I think when he was playing well, specifically on champions like Leona, looked very good, looked very promising. Um, he had the pleasure of playing around Neon, who is a much more veteran AD carry. Um, and I am curious to see what he will do with Jack Spectra. I am excited to see Mercer again. I thought he was very talented, but I will say that um, he remains a question mark outside of the context in which he played with Neon. Because again, I know from listening and watching so many bot lanes, listening to comms, there are bot lanes that are both players contributing and talking and planning and thinking. And there are yep. bot lanes that it's like one genius puppet master and the other guy is just hands. You know what I mean? And so I don't, haven't heard Mercer comms, don't know where Mercer ranks, don't think that he's, you know, being shadow puppeted. No. Nope. But I, I think we it remains to be seen. He, um Jack Spectre played with a support called White In in yeah. Heretics. His yeah. most played was Leona. Yep. Champion pool is, you could probably align it pretty well with Merces throughout yeah. the year. And you can argue support meta, but checks out quite well on the exact same kind of champion pool. So I think in terms of picks, I think they'll be all right. I think Jack Spectre is a very critical person. So they'll be very talkative in like how they fix their bot lane. So yep. those two will have a lot of room to grow. I'm excited for it. Merce has got a little bit of experience, so that'll help them out a lot. And I think in terms of like macro game, Yankos will help them a bunch. Yankos, the, the man of, of the hour. We got to talk about That's the That's the beauty of it. They can just focus on their lane. Yankos will handle the rest. And I think, um, I don't know if it was Perks who said this on a Thorin podcast or something. He was talking about how important Yankos is and like how much, how vocal he is. Yep. And I've listened to G2 comms a lot. Um, and I, I see that he is, when there's, when there's silence or there's downtime or people are not sure what to do, he asks questions on the spot. And that's so important. You know, I would teach that to every jungler that I'm ever coaching. Yep. You know, what's your lane state like? What do you need? What are we doing next? Even the bigger picture things of like, we're in the mid game. What's the next objective? How are we playing for it? How should we fight? You know, these are questions that Yankos he, asks a lot. Yeah, he contributes a ton in game to comms, not just in the logical sense of asking questions. He is, as long as I have been watching Yanko's scrims, he has been communicating his intentions on where he plans to path, where he wants to go, where he expects the enemy jungler to be in the early game. That stuff's more standard. A lot of junglers will do that. But then in games where they're losing, he'll sometimes be the first one to crack a joke. He'll be the guy to lighten the mood. He'll be, he is so, he is such a like Swiss army knife for yep. communication in a team. Um, and outside of like one or two rosters where I know he had some really rough personality conflicts, this guy feels like 
the tr- the best rock in Western League of Legends. Again, just don't know enough about Korea and yeah. LPL. I don't speak Chinese. Don't speak Korean. The best rock I've seen in Western League of Legends of any team ever. He's, this he, man is a is a is a goat. He is one of the goaded yeah. Western League of Legends players, no doubt. So smart. Remember that Misfits base race where Yankos yeah. in the com says buy pots, buy GAs, buy stopwatches. Yep. And like everyone's st- selling things to buy it, and that actually won them the game. Yep. Like he. He's on it. And that's important. A lot of people can get overwhelmed, you know, where like yep. they focus on themselves, they're a bit nervous or they want to focus on their mechanics or it's oftentimes mid laners are the ones who do that or, or AD carries yep. who like want to focus on their game and they get a bit overwhelmed when it comes to Yankos will do it on anything. You'll just, yep. just take over, you'll take the reins. That said, Yankos, communications, human, teammate, great. In game, we know when the meta is ganking junglers, Yankos is one of on the it. best, if not the best, in our league. When the meta is not ganking junglers, when the meta is carry junglers, his yep. performance can be very up and down. Without knowing what the meta looks like, I do still expect a decent amount of ganking junglers, but without knowing what the, the meta will look like, it'll <laughs> be hard to know how Yankos will perform as an individual. But for Heretics as a team, for this roster over the course of the year, having Yankos on this lineup is just like a massive it's massive buff huge pickup absolutely massive pickup i will say i think one of his best carry junglers from i I, what i've seen i've played against is probably his graves yeah that's probably up there but i think the biggest exposure we saw of yankos was 2020 because i remember i was playing that split and it was set volley bear trundle meta towards the end of summer yeah worlds came it was nidalee lilia kindred graves meta and that's where eu was like oh crap you know i remember shadow was there as well and stuff like do you remember because this was really funny is that People saw that meta in Korea, tried to bring it in at LEC, and then Yankos was, I think, the one who went back to set in Sejuani and yeah, found way was. more success domestically. Yep. But I think it was just because our junglers were bad, yep. and he was just so much better on Sejuani and set individually that he just balanced out what should have been a meta that. that favored those things. And that's how they won the split, wasn't it? And that's it? how they won the split. Yeah. yeah, and then they went to Worlds and he did play the carry junglers yeah, anyway. Because, yeah, and then they <laughs> got blasted because there was just nothing they could do because the Korean junglers were so I, good. I, I don't want to sell him short and say, like, I mean, they were made a world semis, right? That year. Yeah, no, on no, 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 no. If yeah. he wasn't terrible at it, it's just he is so good on the ganking yeah. junglers that if it isn't that kind of meta, I think heretics, I think are my like dark horse to succeed. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited for that. You've got rookie bot lane, which is destined to be here, a mid lane, which we're very unsure of and skeptical about in terms of what we what we expect from him, but seems to have a plethora of experience. And Yankos, one of the best junglers, I mean, yeah. the best jungler Europe's ever had. And then you've got Evie. Evie, which Last is kind of like- here to round this out. Uh, well, what? How is Evie? Evie is the <laughs> most random pickup I have ever seen in my entire life. Now, I've had the pleasure of casting Evie since 2015 when he joined 7th Heaven, when I was casting LJL at like 3 in the morning in the United You're States. You're an OG LJL? LG. I'm an OG oh LJL caster. I, was, I joined the season that they started importing Korean players like mad. That uh, was eight years ago. That was, oh, dude, yeah. You were I'm casting old. LJL at 3 a.m. Uh, yeah, 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 it was rough. And then I'd go work at a coffee shop at 6 a.m. It was dark. Really? It was a dark time in my life. Oh yeah. my it was a great God. time because eventually got me to where I am today, but it was not a healthy time in my life. Were that you, said- Were you casting from the States, were you, I guess? That's yeah, I was casting uh, in my roommates were pissed because I'd cast in my bedroom at all hours of the night. And I was just lucky that they were degenerate gamers like I was. So I just had to wait, you know, the WoW patch, I think came out, I think Warlords of Draenor came out around the same time. <laughs> must've been, War- it must've been Warlords. Yeah. yeah, at the same time. So they were up till 3 a.m. anyway, or 4 a.m. anyway, oh, so they nice. didn't care, so. That's that grind set, baby. God bless, they're gearing up, they're 40 mans <laughs> or whatever. I don't know, I mean, I haven't played WoW forever. Um, anyway, so this guy has been a legend forever. He eventually joined DFM, which is the one true and eternal um ljl super team that is and seemingly always will be the thing you need to know about this guy is that like he's super good he's super consistent and when you watch plans um a lot of different caliber of player 
But Evie is one of the guys that when you look at him individually, you can consistently say like, yeah, this guy looks like a world-class player. How he will stack up against other top laners domestically, I think remains to be seen. Would I have put Evie into the LCK or the LPL? Probably not. Do I think he could thrive in the LEC? Absolutely. Things you have to look out for. He likes very specific picks. He does not have a super weird champion pool, but he does have pocket picks. Urgot, one that has to be watched. Nar is like super vanilla. Everybody plays Nar, but his Nar is also something that you have to respect. In general, this is a guy who finds angles, creates plays. You can look at him like um, if you've ever watched Hillisang play Rakan, where he'll like commit for an angle and stand in a bush for 30 seconds, like Evie can do the same thing on a NAR. He can manage his rage. He can find another angle. He's a super creative player. I do not know how he will function outside of an LJL team. I do not know him well enough. I do not know his language capacity. I do not know how he will fit outside mm. of a roster that he has played with for so long. But in terms of what this guy's ceiling's like, everyone gets to watch it just about every year at Worlds because I feel like there has not been a single Worlds where this guy has not performed. And pretty much forever, this is the team that comes as DFM. So Evie, really excited, tons of potential, clearly a high ceiling, very veteran player. So I don't know how much further he will go than that ceiling. But if he's hitting that ceiling, he should be a competitive top laner with the other EU tops. I have, uh, I got a lot of thoughts on this. So uh I'll try to say it as blunt as I can. Yeah. If I was a coach of a team and you gave me those four players, would I import Evie? No. No, I wouldn't. Absolutely He not. would be like lower on the list. But then I think He wouldn't it. be on the list because I wouldn't, be list, wouldn't yeah. consider it. I, I wouldn't, wouldn't even consider it. It's nothing against Evie. It's just like, why, exactly. would, why, why, would, would, I, why would I go there? Exactly. Why would, I, why would I go there? I would go, you know, LSK, LSK Challengers, LPL, LP, LP, LDL, you know, yeah. I'd go through all of that list. And then I dig deeper into it and I think about it more. What are the, some of the best performing imports in the last few years? First one that comes to mind is someone like Berserker or Malring, you know? Yeah. Players that are either substitutes or at the beginning of their careers and they have a lot of hunger. So that when they are imported from a stronger region to a weaker region, they want to dominate the hell out of that region. You know, oftentimes we see, you know, uh, veterans will exclude players like Quarter J and Impact, for example. Veterans that win worlds, you know, they've hit peaks of their careers and they're going from such a high to such a, not so much a low, but, you know, lower quality that they lose interest. They've already been playing for such a long time. They don't really want to achieve anything. They've already been to worlds. They've done, they've done that, been there, got the t-shirt and they're just kind of there for the vibes, maybe there for the money, maybe there mm -hmm. to uh, try and see if they can carry a team. And so their performance drops from what they were to what they are. So that's why I think going from low to high is better than going from high to low. Then you've yep. got Evie, who is so far through his career that you think it's a high to a low, but also the region as a whole is weaker. So that he's going from a weaker region to a stronger region, which has yep. a competitive side to it. He could have chilled in the LJL. I'm sure he has the skill to win again with DFM, kept going to play-ins, but he has higher aspirations, I think, in I want to win the LEC. I want to go through as a major region. I want to get into a group stage of worlds, you know, things like yeah. this. So... I'm a bit confused as to like, you know, my theory of things because he's kind of like a he's enigma an in the middle. He's an anomaly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but also how many players really have gotten the opportunity to go from a smaller region to a bigger region? Very few. Also very true. You know, a lot of, we saw some players from Turkey come through. Um, I think uh, Hoso Deodo went from LLA, yeah. I think, to, to the LCS. Yeah. There's a couple of examples, uh, but not, not very often at all. Um, but I would have imagined some kind of young... LCK challengers, top laner, someone like Photon thrown in. Yeah. Yankos, you know, a little bit of a language barrier helps him out with English. Yankos and Ruby, veterans helping out towards top, you know, helping their rookie bots, rookie side lanes, a lot of, you know, um, potential. But now you've got this rock, which I think is like, I don't know what to expect. I personally haven't watched Evi that much. I did play-ins like once, I think. Uh, I saw him through, come through MSI. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so again, the context of play-ins is what what does that mean is the other is like is the question and that's why i'm like curious as to where he's actually going to end up because like yeah. there's a lot of i mean 
we've had teams lose in plans. So obviously plans mean something. Obviously it's not terrible, but yeah. like, what does that actually mean in the context of LCS? I'm not sure. Yeah. So if you're not certain about Evie, if you're listening to this podcast, you're like, I don't know what to think other than I'm excited because he's great and he's awesome on camera. That's kind of how I feel right now. Um, I mean, maybe, we're just going to have to see. Yeah, I think he's like a team fight player. This would be my way of like describing him from what my opinion. I, I don't see him as like a Jax Camille Fiora player. No. Side lane. I see him as like a, you know, Kennen, Orn, Sejuani, group up team fight kind of player. Nar, you said, I think. Nar or God. Yeah, he likes to play stuff that can like do a little bit more yeah. than just be a tank but he definitely is somewhere in the middle he is definitely not leaning towards the carry side 100 percent of the, the top lane spectrum. yeah so i think that'll help really alleviate a lot of like pressure from top side into like allowing bots to explore and allow this rookie bot so they've got kind of like this this triple veteran top side yeah. of like they know what they're doing rookie bot i like the formula you know i trust peter dunn i think it'll do well for me personally i put them in uh b tier yeah i think that's fair but i do think I think I've also got Mad in B tier, but like Mad is just coin flippy to the point where they could be insane or terrible. Yep. And Heretics is so solid to the point that I think they could progressively grow to become yeah. a strong team. Heretics is the kind of team that if we were in our old format, I would have said they were fighting to make top six. They would have been like, you know, scraping into playoffs. But in our new, new format, format, yeah, that's in a our good new point, format, I don't know where to. I, I they do. I don't think they make top four. I think that would be unreasonable and an overreach. But if they they absolutely should make top eight. If they don't make top eight, it's oh, yeah, horrible. Easily they'll make top horrible. eight. Uh, you, uh, you can't have a roster with players um, like Jankos and it not make it. No, but this is the kind of team that in spring at least, or sorry, winter at least, this first split, I think will be fighting to show us their level and like making it to best of threes. But I do not think they'll be making it to best of fives. Yep. Could be wrong, but there's just, just too see. many teams with known quantities in our league right now yeah. that I could really bet I, on Heritage. I just think a lot of big brands player-wise are in the league right now. You've got format changes, you know, there's a couple of people joining the broadcast which would be really exciting and the broadcast team's back and we've got different uh, kind of weekends, three-day weeks, different splits. Literally three everything splits. is different this year. There's like also a, big player brands, you know, Reckless yeah. is back. Yep. Evie is also a really big brand from the Evie's World Championship. Dope. He's going to yeah. be really cool. I think there's just big brands coming back or joining the league and, it's, and big teams joining and the league and like there's a lot more eyes on... Yeah. Speaking of big players coming back, our final team for the day, G2 Esports. Hans, yeah. Han Sama. Um, wow. This G2 lineup, let's start with that. G2 lineup, where are you ranking them? Cadrol, zero context. Obviously, you'll get to explain yourself in a moment. Where, where, What tier are they in? Well, I wouldn't be G2 biased if I didn't put them in S tier, so I'm putting them in S tier. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, <laughs> S tier, I think this team will be. Um, I think I Will am... be or is going to come into the season as? You think this is an S tier team already? Yep. Yeah, I think so. I think so as well. I think that they're going to be an S tier team from the get go. The thing is, okay, I, I put them for context. I put them A, and I felt almost bad putting them A because I feel like I was giving them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, too much. and some people say that I'm G two biased, but dude, how am I biased? I don't know anyone okay, on that okay, team. Okay, I'm not okay, here. Okay, I'm not okay, here okay. to defend myself, but I'm just going to say I don't know anyone on that team, and I don't know anyone in the staff or anything. Though I have no reason to. But the reason I think this team will be strong is one, Hansama. I think people are over exaggerating how poorly he played in in, in the LCS. Now, yeah. he, the biggest mistake he had when I was watching the games was his team fight positioning was awful. Yeah. Either overextending or doing nothing. Uh, his lane phase was all right with core, but it was the, it was the team fights where he got really exposed. Um, and I spoke to Bjergsen a little bit, and he was telling me that there was a lot of issues that he was having outside of the game, things yeah. that he couldn't control, which were affecting his performance a lot. And knowing those issues and him coming back over, those issues will go away. I know they will go away. So I think he will be in top form. Yike. 
is a player from LDLC. You were talking about X and Dosser. Yeah, if you if you aren't keeping up with this year's offseason, LDLC is the new K Corp in terms of just basically their entire roster has been ripped apart and imported into our league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he was like hot market. Everyone wants him, like yep. top of the list. Um, now that's a good and a bad thing. A player like Reeker last year was also quite high on the list for everyone in, yep. the, in the offseason. But Yike has shown he is one of, if not the best jungler in the ERL absolute carry god this guy was playing things like Belveth, Kha'Zix, Wukong he was I'm not gonna sit here and pretend I watched every single one of the game but from what I've heard from all the players in the ERLs he was like easily the best jungler well and I talked to Mickey because I was like I don't know a lot about this guy you know I reached out for a lot of these LDLC players watched a couple of odds reached out Lore helped me out with the um with the SK bottom lane and Mickey helped me out a little bit with Yike he said super impressive this is probably generally true for new rookies that but super impressive baseline game knowledge significantly more than Mickey or a player of his generation to come yep. up with and you know as a guy, strong mechanical player he said he can play play anything you know I know Mickey well enough that he would just not mention that if that wasn't the case you know he'll admit mm. if there's any faults but he said that like communication he's not super vocal he does not talk all the time but he does what he needs to do so i think this is going to be a very different player than yankos because as great as yike is as much hype as there is around yike the player that he's replacing is what i think makes his job so hard you are replacing the most legendary european jungler yeah like regardless of if you want to talk about the best of all time or whatever blah 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 blah, i don't care he is the most legendary european jungler. and and despite him having like i don't want to say a bad year i don't think yankos had the best of years last year and the whole thing the whole team kind of like fell apart a little bit at internationals especially but i think we're going through another change of you know we had el yoya inspired come in that was the next generation. We're going to the next generation now. Yep. Of Yike, Yike and Shio. Yike and Shio. In. So Shio I think this is like... Can't talk about him today, though. Yeah, this is like the that. next generation of junglers coming in of like, this will be the EU representatives probably in the next few years or maybe ne- this year at Worlds. Um, I think the team just has so many threats and I think this is the team that I look at with the most threats of every team. You know, you think of teams like Fnatic where maybe they're playing double weak side side lanes, you know, teams like Excel where they're playing maybe bot lane strong side and similar to Rogue, they're playing double side lane strong side. I think everyone that roster can carry. I think Broken Blade is, if you look at carry tops in Europe, Broken Blade is the carry top. Like the one person who is like more comfortable, more leaning towards carry tops. We even saw, okay, we saw things like Riven. We're not going to talk about that too much. (laughs) But Fiora, Camille, he'll do it all. Uh, Yike, carry jungler, Caps, is Caps. Caps is Caps. I think when Caps is peaking, he is the best mid laner in well, the West. And, and remember that for Caps, oftentimes, Caps' performances can be highly variable. And yeah. I don't want to just wipe away the same thing with Han Sama, where yeah. like Caps' year and Mickey, and this is why if you're skeptical about this roster, I understand, because Mickey had an okay year with Excel. He had a lot of games where he sprinted it. His yeah. best champion in the year was Yumi. Yeah, which best is five Yumi against Fnatic. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, um, so if you're skeptical about these players, I understand. But I think the big boon for me is that Caps and Mickey have a ton of history together and that they are both players that, from in my eyes, from knowing both these players pretty well on a personal level, do much better when they get along on a friendship level with their teammates. Now, there are players who want to show up to the office, do their job, go home. Some players do great in that capacity. Whippo, Bjork are great examples of those players who have that clear True. separation, perform well in those environments. Caps and Mickey are guys who like like the yep. five dudes chilling in a house playing games together band of brothers things yep. and they've done it successfully and I think in the broken past. blade fits into that as well he did I we think saw them the, the 1 a.m basketball the shirtlessness yeah. like the g2 environment has always looked at its best when the players get along really well on an individual and, level and i saw a little reel i think lec was doing reels with the pros when they were here at media days a few days ago and yike said 
they asked Yike, what's the most important thing of a team? He's like, environment. Like, everyone's happy. And he was like giggling to himself a bit as if he knows that G2 yeah. is having a little bit of a joke around with them already. So the vibes are good, probably. The only kind of concern I have is Caps hasn't been as much claps as he used to be. I think yeah. we said this last year too. So like spring finals and that run when they went on that win streak yeah. in spring where yeah. we're like, oh my God, he's back. But it was yeah. a lot of Ari Jarvin every game and we didn't really get to see that same thing for nearly as much of summer as I would have liked. Yeah, so hopefully, you know, for the sake of Europe as a whole, you know, claps does slowly come back and hopefully for G2 as well. Yeah. And uh, like he does have those moments where everything just comes together and then that's activated. Uh, and I think their bot lane will... I mean, it's Hans Mickey. You talk about vibes with Caps and Mickey. Hans Mickey or OG friends. You know, OG like bot lane from ages ago. 2017 was six years ago. Dude, Hans Mickey X. Can you In believe the face of Vladimir and Swain bot lane, they played Draven Morgana every day on broadcast. Our narrative, they don't care about the meta. Six They're breaking the ago. meta. Behind the scenes, we know that it's probably just because he didn't play Vlad very well. But <laughs> you know what I mean? Like these yeah. are guys, these guys murder people in lane when they play well. And it's hard for me not to get excited. And this is part of my like, I've been here for so long that when I think of players, it's the rose-tinted glasses. I see back to the sexy, shiny moments. Mm. But this is the caveat, because you're putting them in S, and I would put them in A. If you want to put this team in B tier, I, as a fan, I get it. Because last season, last year for Mickey X, was not his best year. Last year was not Caps' best year. Last year was not Han Sama's best year. True. If you're like... You can be on the opposite side of the coin from us where you're like, I do not believe that these players will bounce back and hit that ceiling that I've seen before. I think they're still going to struggle. If that is what you believe, you can, you're can. you totally fair to rate G2 lower. But I think both you and I are in the camp of, I believe these players will bounce back. I yeah, believe these players so. will get back to their peaks or close to their peaks. And in that case, it is hard to imagine this team doing anything worse than top four. Top yeah. four is a must for this team in this first split oh yeah definitely and the last two things i'll say about uh this roster is number one the one thing i'm a bit scared of is how yike will perform on stage sure 100 percent. because we've often seen people play insane in scrims and it just takes a long time for them to get on stage and play like they do two examples upset i played with him in schalke 2018 scrims absolute monster it took him about two or three years to get like full scrim upset on stage and then we saw it finally like one of the best ad's in the league shout out to upset you know he's like the niski of 2022 now yeah, 2023 now go? is he's he gonna gone. come back in spring some yeah, teams are like please please mr upset come pick your zeri and get us to playoffs um we'll see um and this the second thing so just more on that hopefully yike doesn't have any issues on stage i know that no, none of the other players really yeah. do i just hope he kind of flourishes and blossoms within the first few weeks and he gets really comfortable i think uh, the environment is he's in will will help him do that um so yeah looking forward to seeing what yike will do uh, and the second thing is off-season rumors scrim rumors right i don't want to get too bogged down by scrim rumors but g2 You've seen it around the internet, you know, they're they're popping off in scrims, they're destroying everyone, la, 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 la. That was the same case last year. I think it was similar. I don't know if it's G2 or Vitality. Someone was yeah. destroying scrims. Um, and don't over-index on it too much. I think yep. I've said this on my own stream. Like, when we were in 2020, 2019 off-season, coming into 2020, we scrimmed. We went like 5-0 against Origin, like 4-1 against Schalke, like 5-0 to all these teams. And we were like, we went like 26-4 and or something in a week. And we're like, we're the, we're the best team ever two or three weeks in TLC, we're like, we're like four and three. And we're like, well, <laughs> we're on positive win rate. Four weeks later, we're like six and six, seven and seven. And we're like, well, actually those scrims, we, 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 it doesn't mean anything. It. No one really cares. Yeah. <laughs> like everyone's just trying things. Anyway. I will say the good news about this format, specifically as you transition to best of three, a lot of the volatility will decrease yeah. in terms of deciding. Like you will feel much more confident in our top four 
in winter split, I think, than you probably will generally have ever felt about top six in the LEC, is my hope, and in the previous splits, because those teams will have had to win two best of threes each to Mm. make it to that top four. They will have had to beat, short of like, depending on how the groups are drawn, et cetera, blah, 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 anything outside of that. Like, they will have actually had to not just win a couple cheeky best of ones or have an upset against a big team that was already qualified and maybe wasn't trying their hardest. You know what I mean? Like, they will really have to, you will know and feel much more confident about what you can expect from a team that has made it to top four in this new format. Yeah, agreed. Um, Also, last thing I want to touch on is we touched on Peter Dunn, also Dylan Falco. I think yeah. Dylan Falco has been around for a while. You know, he's been to World Finals. Um, and I think at MSI specifically, we saw the Falco effect. You know, Dylan yep. was popping out drafts left and right. So I think uh, coaching staff is getting more and more important because I think you've heard pro players talk about how important draft has been getting and like how drafts can just be lost or yeah. won just from the, the pick ban phase. Uh, so I think coaching staff, very important. Rogue coaching staff, Koi coaching staff has been really consistent. Peter Dunn has been hyped up, you know. I don't think, I think Dylan Falco has also been doing a fantastic job yeah. with G2. Uh, it's very hard to gauge how much a coach is doing, but when you actually realize how good certain drafts are, they have to stand out a lot for you to notice it in the first place. Well, yeah, and, and obviously without being behind the scenes, it's hard because it's really easy to put a top laner into a box of in-game things and say this is what he does well this is what he does poorly whereas a coach even the role in itself the title doesn't specify really at all what they do because what a, what different coaches do for different teams is so completely different in how they function and i think one of the things that i love that i've from talking to g2 boys from looking at what dylan's done that he does is he's really good about enabling player creativity in a way where he doesn't shut it down if they're not going to run with it. You know, he encourages and he leverages player creativity well. That's why I think he works so well with Caps. Mm. Why, you know, he did that well back on Fnatic. Why he did it well. (laughs) Yeah, and like, look, sometimes... You know, as much as we like to talk about it, like sometimes it's, it's grief. But, is it going to win us the game? <laughs> but also understanding that a relationship is a give and take. And sometimes you have to be willing to say, all right, I don't believe in it, but if you really trust it, you know, like he did in that instance, mm. we can do it. And also know sometimes that like that gives you the right to be like, no, no, this game, you cannot pick Vayne Caps, nope, you know, you and I think that like towing that line where you can be a figure of authority and carry that authority without needing it to be there all the time is something yep. that coaches are always going to struggle with in League of Legends. And that's something that from what I have seen, Dylan has done well. So shout out to Dylan. Like the Anivia pick. Like the Anivia pick. Pick yeah. me Anivia. Pick me um, Well, another thing I'll say a bit more broad topic is... Uh, Koi was the the fourth team, I think. Rogue was the fourth team to ever win an LEC split. You know, Fnatic Alliance G2 were the ones that were Fnatic, always Alliance, Oh, Mad Lions. Well. So they were the yeah. fifth. But in recent years, different teams are winning the splits. It's not just G2 Fnatic all the time anymore. Fnatic haven't won in ages. G2 won in spring. It's just been like Mad Lions and Koi. And with this new format and all these new teams and all these like new players, I'm actually really excited because I think Anyone from A tier upwards could probably win a split. Even the B tier teams have chances. You know, as to me, Madden Heretics are the B tier teams. And, you know, one's a little bit coin flippy and the other one could uh, upset and be a dark horse and grow throughout the year. But I think our league will be very competitive. And I think that our league will be not too dominated by one singular team. Now, that's a good thing sometimes because when you go to internationals, you have like the faith and you believe in that team and you know they're going to perform. And all your weight rests on their shoulders, similar to the old days of just G2 doing it. But I think a competitive scene. I also think the last thing I'll say is junglers, especially. For example, Malrang brought this crazy nonstop ganking style to EU and everyone yep. had to get a kick up the ass and figure out how to play against it. I think Bo is going to bring a similar style of just like 
psychotic jungling non-stop LPL action. So we got a little bit of LCK jungling, a little bit of LPL jungling. We got Photon and Chasey LCK top laners, you know, or, or Korean top laners, sorry. So it gives you that experience and it lets you play against different styles before you go to an international. And so you're not so surprised anymore. So I think overall the region's getting a bit of a buff from all of these different players from different regions. I agree. All it takes for a style to take off, like Maorang is one player who's insanely good at playing that style can define a meta, you know? And LPL top laners, let's just say you drop the three best LPL top laners into three random LEC teams. Oh. It would that assume be, that there's no communication barriers, whatever. It would destroy our like entire a, league in terms of like meta. Just like a cheeky 369 wayward in it there. Would just, it would just change literally everything. And that is, yeah. you know, credit to those players. And that's an example, like the last ex really good example we have that from that other than uh, Maorang is like G2 2019. Uh, is like the, you know, you obviously had the funnel meta, but then you had people willing to break the meta. Shout out to Origin who were playing like the Blitzcrank Varus to break the funnel meta. And you have these individual or individual players who will find these angles in the case of G2. And break the mold. It's just crazy. And I love, that's one of the things I love seeing. Um, that said, those are our five teams for the day. XL, SK Gaming, G2 that was Esports, nice. little deep Heretics, dive on the mold. Koi. Yeah, we're going to talk about the next five teams next week in the next episode. Kadrill will not be here, but Yamato will be joining me. We'll get to talk a little bit more about Upset Departing, a tragic thing. Reckless coming back. Yep. His thoughts on those other five teams. Um, but we asked for Twitter questions and I want to make sure that we get to some of them. We asked for hot takes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Go on, hit us. So first off, half the people in the chat have no idea what the new format is because people keep saying they're not going to make top six. Again, top six, if you haven't caught on so far. Again, watch the format explainer video. I'll ask our YouTube team to link it in the chat. If not, it is on the LEC. Link it in the, in the description. It is on the LEC channel. Please watch it and understand it. But it is top eight and top four that matter respectively. Top six is no longer important um felix at dear felix underscore s says heretics will be top three based on what we talked about it doesn't seem plausible to me mm. i like i like i said i think in winter split i doubt it by summer split per, perhaps spring i can see it i can see it but uh, otherwise uh, i don't think off the gates they will in my opinion at least um mm. yeah Wow, I wanted to read that one, but their name is not great. Uh, so I'll read their Twitter handle and not their name. At NecroAura says... Hang on a second. <laughs> EU's weakest role by average skill is support, but by best but by best player we have is top. Our best player is top. Is that what they're trying to say? We have great supports. I think we have great supports. I think we have great supports. I don't know. Best player is top? I don't know. But let's just talk about that. Because I, I just to, top is our weakest role. Top is our weakest. I think role. we agree think, on that. I think so. And support is hands down one of our strongest. I think historically, historically, our strongest. Like Hilly, the Hilly, Hilly Mickey, Mickey days era, and the Kaiser very era. good. Kaiser coming up. Was, Trimby is getting was, better. Trimby's Trimby's on the rise now as well. Yeah. I think we've always had at least one or two supports which are popping off. Hilly's had a bit of a weak year. Mickey didn't make it to Worlds. Don't, Trimby and, carried the mantle. The mantle. Yeah, and, 2019, and 2018, it was the Hilly Mickey show. And if if we were Enchanter meta forever, I think there would be more ground to say that. But that yeah. would be true of any support that wasn't Korean or, or from the LPL or the LCK. Mm. But I think that we actually have insane supports. Yeah, I agree. Even like the 2016 days of Mithy. I think Mithy Sven were like, you know, our boys origin making the semis, uh, yellow star days. I think you can go back and say we had some good supports. Ooh, I'm going to give you this one as a final one here. Okay. Because we're, we've, uh, we've, we've gone, gone too long. Classic has always yeah. gone over time. Hot take from Quintero at Quintero. Yep. Just going to read his hot take. He has a whole tweet here. Fnatic will be like 2021 G2. 
I mean, if you think about it, in 2022, that summer playoffs run, the only reason they made it was upset carried them over the finish line two or three games in a row and yeah. a tiebreaker playing Zeri Lulu, Zeri Yumi and single-handedly got them to playoffs in the first place. Yeah. That top side was falling apart and upset was the one who had to carry it. They don't have upset anymore. And Reckless is, like I said, not the player who's going to stand up and say, I want to counterpick bot. I want to play Caitlyn. I want to play Kalista. I want to play a pushing lane. I want to play to kill. He is more of a reserved like... You let me know where you need me. I can drop to 4-5. I can take a bad matchup. I can take whatever you need me to do. Very flexible. But I also think Wunder is in the same boat. I don't think Wunder is the person who's going to say, first pick me Fiora, you know. So I worry for their side lanes in terms of who's to carry. Yep. Because Humanoid is very inconsistent in regular seasons and steps up when it matters. So, and you look around and you're like, so who's who are we playing towards? So I think one of them needs to take that mental. Um, I don't think they'll be like 2021 G2 because 2021 G2 dominated regular seasons. And then bombed out in best of fives, I think. Yeah, they were. Um, well, I didn't even die. It was it was rough. I, I remember their rough. spring was really strong. They had like a, yeah, yeah. A, a really good record in spring. I can't remember very well. That was ages ago. It's almost two years ago now. Crazy, isn't it? Um, but I think Fnatic do have an issue of the, an issue of their own of figuring out like who's going to carry games because we'll see how the meta goes. You know, if it goes into like a what it looks like a Caitlyn virus meta maybe it's okay because he can speak Varus or, or Ash or whatever it may be. But it's also like Heimdinger support, Jin support, Karma is still OP in, in, in range support meta. And I don't know if that's Rux's wheelhouse. I think he likes getting yeah. on those engages and roaming around. So I don't know. Meta is still a big question. We're rating these teams without knowing even what the meta is going to look like yet. So it's kind of... I mean, it's blind rating. And I will say if you take this to heart and you're like, wow, you guys are morons. Like, maybe. Maybe we'll look like morons. I'll maybe we'll look like chin, geniuses. You know? But if we're if completely right about every single team, we guessed where the variables guess. would end yeah. up and we got correct. If we're completely wrong, we guessed where we followed what we thought, where we thought a lot of the variables would end up and we got right. I mean, it's like, it's a crapshoot, to be honest with you, with this yeah. little information. If you want a prediction of who's going to win a best of five at the end of the season, then you can be like, you guys were dumb. But at the start of the season... Mate, if SK win the split, just give me... I'll take it on the chin. Jesus Christ. Absolute <laughs> Bro, legends. Bro, if SK know? win the split, we're... I don't know. We're going to do like... I, I don't know. I'm do, not doing a bet, but like... We're going to do a... Uh, what is it? The, the dance where you have like the legs... The yeah, on the bar. What is it? The little kicks. Okay, river dance. Yeah, a little bit. Of that. A river dance. We'll do a little bit of a river dance. Yeah. Just to celebrate. Isn't that Irish though? I was gonna say Delta Irish. Part of the UK. I don't know. I'm not. Yeah, we'll to do it. Yeah, off. we'll do. We'll do a dance on on a bar somewhere. Yeah, if SK win, and we'll record it and but put it on Euphoria. We'll see what happens. Um, again, Kedro, you called it out earlier. If you're on YouTube, YouTube, it's your time to shine. If you've been watching us this whole time, let us know your tier list, S to D tier. Do not make an S plus. Do not make an S minus. Don't do make not a D make plus either. Blah, 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 blah. Blah, blah. Don't want any of it. Don't care. S, S to D. If you're like, this team should be F, just put them in D tier. If you're well, S tier, now you're A tier. It doesn't matter. It's fine. Just, you know, if you want to give us any justification, if there's any info you think that we're missing, we're always happy to hear that. In the meantime, Kadrol will be absent for episode two. He'll be back, though, for the rest of the season of episode three onward. Yamato joining me on the next episode. We'll get to talk more about Fnatic. Do you have a special and, guest as well? And the other four remaining teams. I can't remember if I'm allowed to announce the mm, other guests Special yet. guest. Ooh. Ooh it's me. Remember. It's me with a mask on. A new permanent addition to the on-air talent His name's Pedro. <laughs> permanent. A new addition for this year. I don't know if permanent... I don't know. Yeah, permanent, whatever. A new addition to the talent team this year Woo! alongside uh, Yamato will be joining us as well. So we'll have three people in the next episode. Thank you so much for watching. This has been episode one. Thank you for all the Twitter questions. We'll also look at some more it's of those gonna next week. It's going to be a week. banger year. Banger year. We're super late for this meeting we have to go to, but that doesn't We've matter. We love half you. An hour. Last thing, the formats are confusing. If you're more confused after this podcast, I totally get it. There is an article and there is a format Our explainer bad. video. Go check them out. If you have any follow-up questions, you can uh, message me on Twitter 
and I will try to explain it to you. Yeah. Because I, I do understand also, it. Also, if you but DM it's... Daniel Dracos, you've got a secret um, beta code to the League MMO. So make sure you spam him for DMs and ask him for them. I turned my DMs off, so I'm immune to Damn the earth. <laughs> Why would you say that? This is Ben Euphoria Season 11, Episode 1. We missed you. We're Instagram so glad DMs. to be back. Discord, somewhere. <laughs> Stop Spam it. him. Thank you for watching. We'll see you guys next time. See ya.